Devour the podcast is for mature audiences only. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Devour the Podcast. I am uh, your less than David host. Bo, uh, David is still on assignment, uh, so uh, in the Himalayas and keeps asking about his pants. I'm not going to ask that question during Ask DTP. It's not going to happen. Uh, so with me as always, Jamie, Jamie J. Jenkins. I am, <laughs> I am here. Me and all of my J's. <laughs> yeah. All uh, of the extraneous J's that you want to attach. Well, you know, like six. Uh I'd have to count them up. Anyway, so, um, uh, you know, as we mentioned in the uh, quickie, uh, <laughs> the TP quickie, which was fun. Um, yeah, so David's not with us. Uh, I mean, he's not dead. It's not that serious. He's just on hiatus. So uh, Jamie and I are bringing in uh, some new blood, you know, just to keep things lively. And with us tonight, Mike Mary. Tina. Tina. The new blood. Oh, <laughs> Jamie. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I lo- I'm okay with that movie, actually. That's that's one of the ones I kind of like. Actually, I liked a lot of those Friday the 13th movies. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Um, Mike Merriman from uh, Evil Episodes, etc. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, what the hell? What's going on, man? Sorry for the delay. I was using my telekinesis to break the chains off my mic. Um, I, again, if you got an immortal killer, is telekinesis really that big a stretch? I don't no, think so. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I'm doing good, actually, surviving the heat out here on the West Coast. I'm actually, I'm only about like an hour, hour and ten minutes away from where David's located, so another West Coast podcaster on the show, so that's always good. Well, and you guys are in the same gang as well, and the rule was that if David couldn't be here, it had to be you, or there was going to be a beef. I, I hope he's out there in the Bay Area surviving uh, the Warriors uh, championship celebration. I think the parade, the the victory parade's on Friday. So uh, Yeah, San Francisco the, doesn't strike me as a big riot kind of town, though. Well, across the Bay in Oakland, that's a whole different story. And they, the Warriors actually play... Uh, their, their Oracle Arena is in the same parking lot as the Oakland Coliseum because I, I frequent A's games out there. So right now they're going to be moving to Frisco. That's the new where the new arena is planned. But right now they're playing in Oakland. I'm not sure if, where the parade exactly located though. But uh, good luck, David. <laughs> yeah, it could turn into a, a, a real Mad Max scenario out there. So you know, stuck up on canned goods. 
Well, as usual, let's uh, let's begin with some recent viewing. Um, Jamie, this is always good for a laugh. What have you been watching? <laughs> well, right out of the gate, I will say that I went opening day to see Jurassic World. Yay! I loved it. If anyone out there is wondering, and um, if you're waiting for my vote uh, to decide whether or not to go see it, which, first of all, is a huge mistake. <laughs> So don't do that, ever. Um, don't but, say that to all the listeners who have bought the WWJW bracelets. <laughs> because those are a big moneymaker for Devour the Podcast. That's really what the linchpin upon which the podcast turns. I want to get one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, legally, you deserve a cut, and we haven't given you a thin dime. So... <laughs> Ed figures. <laughs> um, but uh, if you're waiting to hear what I had to say, then I say, go see it. It's totally fun. Um, other than that, I just got finished today uh, watching the new Paul Sollett film, Dark Summer. And uh, we received that for review. And we were kind of, it was kind of polarizing in this household. Um, Brian didn't care for it nearly as much as I did. I didn't. Uh, love it. Uh, and it had nothing to do with his direction. I think that uh, he didn't write this one. He directed this one. And as you know, um, Paul Sollett wrote and directed Grace, which I absolutely love. This one, uh, I think the direction is fantastic. I mean, he's, he's, it still, it looks great. He still has a good eye and I think he did a great job. I have a couple of, uh, just kind of sticking points with the story, but, Overall, I thought it was kind of neat. I, it's kind of based in witchcraft, which I, I think is a cool thing. And there's a little bit of misdirection in the beginning, and then, you know, you think you know some things, and then by the time you get to the end, it turns out that what you thought you knew wasn't exactly what it was, and I always like that. So, um, I have to say, you know, check it out. I mean, it's, um, uh, like I said, there were a couple of sticking points that I have a little bit of issue with, but I'm, I would like to actually go back and watch it again and give it another shot. But, um, but I have to say, if you come across it, um, give it a watch because Paul Solid is someone that I would love to see more from. I always enjoy seeing what he can do. And he's supposed to be working on an anthology that we had talked about a while back. Uh, he's going to be a part of, and that has not come out yet, but I'm anxiously awaiting to see what goes on there. Um, what else have I watched? I have been taking, my time has been mostly taken up with a lot of Nightmare on Elm Street because we just finished recording the retrospective for the Skeleton Crew, which is in, we like recorded all those shows and now they're being released one a week uh, through the end of July. So um, I had to watch a whole, watch and talk about all of those like in one big clump. <laughs> wow. And, um, that was yeah. <laughs> that was kind of harrowing. You know, when you get to the middle there, it's it's a little it's on shaky ground. So there's a, uh, there's really a lot of garbage in that series. Yeah, I mean to put it bluntly, there's a whole lot of garbage, and I did a lot of cussing, but uh, I I did that. And I like it. You yeah, I, I, Mike, Mike, you're a, an NOES supporter, as the kids say. An apologist, I guess. An apologist. Oh, for. Part four alone, mother. All right. 
Dave Z will be happy to hear you say that, Bo. I gotta tell you, because he is not a fan of part four. That movie um, is horrendous. <laughs> Really, I, I, it was kind of funny because we got to part five and I thought, God damn, this movie is bad. And I was like, and I said, I always thought like, surely, cause I'd heard that people were like, Oh, part six is the worst. Part six is the worst. And I was like, I don't remember it being that bad. Like, how could it possibly be worse than this one? And then I watched it. And I think it is in fact worse <laughs> to, um, not to tip my hand too much, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd still recommend checking out the shows just to hear exactly what we bitch about. But um, it, what was interesting about that is that our, our our opinions are kind of all over the place. So it makes for a good discussion because each one of them has um, like differing like degrees of, of some people actually grind. like them. Some people actually like them, and and most of us or not most of us, but some of us actively hate them and so it's kind of interesting to hear where people fall on that uh, you can probably figure out where i fall at this point uh when you get to those but anyway that's what we've been doing there the the scale goes from apathy to hatred is really <laughs> like that as good as you get is eh. <laughs> well there's actually um well and that that's where it gets interesting is because there's a certain one of us who who really does like some of those, and um, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm kind of shocked at that. I'm like, really, you do? How? 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 How do you like this at all? But that's sure. what people it's tell me. me. That's what. <laughs> yeah, that's what people tell me when I always defend the remake. So it's me, the listener. I like them all. What can I say? Even though I can acknowledge some of them are trash, I still enjoy it. Are you? Did you just refer to yourself as the listener? The listener of, or a listener of, yes, a listener of <laughs> Skeleton Crew and the retrospective of Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, I thought you were being the voice of our listeners for a moment, which was going to really add something to this podcast and really and finally give them a chance to rightfully bitch. <laughs> well, as a listener, yeah, that's what they've podcast, been missing—a uh, voice. Right. Listener of this podcast, it is going to be weird not hearing like all the uh, bumper music in between segments. I'll be like expecting to hear it as we go. <laughs> no, we play it. We play it as we record. Nice. We do it we twice. We actually do because yeah. we have to keep ourselves in line. We have to remind ourselves where we are. Oh, there's like no, a that, time countdown. That's not true. We don't do that. But um, <laughs> maybe we should. I don't know because we tend to go all over the place. I was listening to the last episode that we and. Uh, we uh, we were killing me because we were just we ended up on some random bull, but I thought it was I thought it was a lot of fun. So, you know, who says you need rules? Yeah. And but what am I watching? Well, that's what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> there will be even... a question in SDTP related to what just happened. <laughs> I oh I watched Abraham Lincoln versus zombies. Is that the Bill Obers? It is your joint. Okay, how's that? Not good. Yeah, it's a bummer. I like <laughs> him. I, I'm a big fan of Bill Oberst. I, I am too. Fans. His performance is not bad. It, I have no issues with him. It's just that the or it, it's just very long and drawn out, and there are some most apathetic zombies I've ever seen in my life. Like they just don't give a damn. They're, they're not a pet because they don't even care. Like they they just they're not interested, and uh, they're supposed to be, but not. So. It just goes on forever, but it, they did a couple of interesting 
interesting things. Like they introduced Teddy Roosevelt as a child, even though I think technically he would have been about five years old during this time. It was in 63, uh, 1863. And I think he was, he would have been like five. And in the, in the film, he's like a nine or 10 year old kid. So they played with that a little bit. It's kind of funny because at one point Abraham Lincoln hands him this weapon and he's like, he was like, when you're out there with the zombies, walk softly and carry a big stick. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. But then later on, they attribute a quote from the Gettysburg Address to a hooker. And I was like, oh, okay, well, once was kind of funny. That's too far. <laughs> it it offended anyway. your, your love of Lincoln. No, but um, it just was kind of silly that there's this whole hooker love interest that he had I, I don't know it was it's just a weird thing anyway but skip it okay it's an asylum movie just skip it you don't need it you're not missing anything is what i have to say about that um i watched the sleepaway camp two and three blu-rays those came out from scream factory and those are fun i, I really love those movies but the um the they have some fun extras on there so you know i always recommend scream factory release i love what they do so I would like for to support them so that they will keep doing it. And there's a lot of other stuff, but it's been a long time. And <laughs> all right, that's, all right, that's good enough for now. <laughs> and that's honestly better than we could have expected. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike, there are movies out there. You have watched some. What are they? Uh, they're called TV shows, and I've watched a bunch of them. <laughs> we uh, only do movies here, sir. You are out of order. Oh, uh, no, no, no. You're fine. I'm my junk into this no, no, podcast. this is this is actually your specialty. I should, I, I would be failing as a host if I didn't point out that you have a podcast entirely built around genre television. So, of course, your right. expertise is perfect here. What shows are worth a shit? And we actually recently just got right back to that format too. Um, like, yeah, Mike had us veer yeah. off into movies for a while, but um, <laughs> which was fine. I'm just, but now we're making a point to go. Back to TV solely. Yeah, I, I was working movies in because since that's really the only podcast I do besides the sidecast, which isn't horror specific anyway, I was like, yeah, but I watch all these horror movies I want to talk about. But then since there's so much damn stuff on TV now, it was giving us no time to cover the old stuff that I wanted to cover and Brian and Jamie wanted to cover. So we had to push out movies except on a special Special basis, so you'll hear about them sometime. But anyways, I started watching this show on Netflix, which I guess is semi-horror in the way, if you're familiar, I know Jamie is, I don't, I'm not sure, Bo, how much you're familiar with the show Under the Dome. It's, I watched a few episodes and decided it was yeah. not for me. <laughs> well, season three Good starts, decision. Next, season, <laughs> season three starts next Thursday. It's about a season and a half too much, um, already, but, um, there's a show, called between on netflix and i i see similarities to under the dome the the synopsis is basically everyone over the age of 22 in a town dies for some reason and they're not really sure why i mean you can predict the town gets quarantined shit goes awry resources running out right kind of a lord of the flies sort of scenario but modern right And the interesting, well, I don't know if I want to use the word interesting, but the thing about this show is, unlike most Netflix shows where it releases the whole season at once, this one they only release an episode a week. I don't know why, like, this one was picked to do that or if they're testing out to see how people react to that, but 
so far there's four episodes out. I watched the first couple with my wife, and she liked it enough that we'll probably just watch an episode every time it comes out. My my biggest fear with the show is like, hmm, are they picking that age specifically to make this like better to a really young audience? And I, I wouldn't say so after seeing you know a handful of episodes. It's not bad. It's it's not great, but hey, it's something to watch. Yeah, I wonder if they're not. Like testing those waters of doing the episode a week, just you yeah. have that data of well, is everyone just going to wait until the series is done and then watch it all? It is a good question. I mean, and it's like everyone's different. Some people like to binge watch. I mean, a lot of people do that now, but everyone has different time constraints. For some people, it might be better, you know, to sit down watch the one episode or a couple episodes at a time and put it away for a week just depending on your own schedule um there's another sh- uh show that just started on netflix i w- i wanted to check out but i just haven't had time called uh sense eight and i think it's by the guys who did matrix well um, guy and lady now right exactly yeah <laughs> um and that's about some i think some people with like tele telekinesis or telepathic powers that they yeah it's like they, you can experience yeah. someone else's life or something. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it seems real weird and esoteric. It's weird, and I want to check it out. I just haven't had a chance. Um, as far as other TV shows, Hannibal just started up a couple weeks ago. Still great. They're kind of easing in this third season. Like, uh, it, it's it almost feels like they're rewetting the appetites the way the first season did. How uh, it, it kind of started off slow, um, but we know a couple people that survived now. Even though you know we all figured it, but that's going. Um, what else is Penny Dreadful is still really good. Still enjoying the hell out of that show. Bates Motel season three just recently ended. Still really good, and it recently just got extended for two more seasons. Ah, god damn it, Mike! <laughs> that was a oh. news story. Burn it, Jamie. Burn it. Ah, uh, you can scratch that. Uh, well, Jamie probably gets to talk about it twice anyway. So <laughs> she'll get to talk about it again next week. Uh, True Detective right. Season 2 starts Sunday. Uh, so Yeah, early pimp for a side podcast Duncan and I are doing as if we don't spend enough time together. My <laughs> hetero life partner, Duncan McLeish, and I are going to be doing um, uh, very quick. Raptors. Yeah, very quick recap episode, just impressions of Season 2, because we were both fanatics for Season 1, so... Um, yeah. I'm, I'm obviously I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm going into this with very low expectations, actually, because mm-hmm. in my mind, I don't know how you do a season of television as good as True Detective season one again. So I don't expect it to be as good as that. Yeah, it, it it's one of those shows where it could still be a good season, but it doesn't matter because of how good the first season was. And p- people will be disappointed because it's a hard standard to meet. So that, as far as movies, I know, you know, I randomly just watch stuff on TV. Um, I, I watched Christine again, happened to be on TV, good movie, solid. You know, that, that might, that might actually be it. I, I've been watching, uh, some footage from E3, which <laughs> has been going on. Uh, I saw the, trailer for uh the new uncharted game which looks awesome it, it not, looks crazy. not really horror at all but yeah it it, it looks insane i i'm a huge fan of that series yeah. one of my favorite games 
I have to, I, that second one in particular. I think that second one's the high water mark for that series so far. I, I think so too. Um, you know, and it's funny too because like the first one when it came out, it kind of came out and no one really knew what it was, and I. I love the hell out of it, and all the people that were buying too. I was like, go back and get the first one, because even though the second one is, it took a huge leap up. I still thought the first one was a lot of fun too. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's a fun series. It's kind of taken over as that that kind of game where if you just want to have a lot of fun and just see like a beautiful game while you're just having fun, it's the series to play it's just pure fun yeah and it's indiana jones the video game more so than any indiana jones game has ever been oh yeah i mean i was watching the i think it was like seven minutes of footage and i I keep telling myself not to do this because i know in in the grand scheme of 20 hours of gaming seven minutes isn't that much but still and i start watching it it's like i forget that i'm really watching what's going to be a game i just get sucked in by the story yeah, when he was whipping around the trees and, you know, mm-hmm. kicking guys in midair and shit. Yeah, of course. You're like, oh, if that's, if I can do that, and it, it certainly seems like I can, then that's what I'm going to do for a solid, you know, four hours of that game. I'll yeah. just figure out ways to, to beat the shit out of people. And in, mm-hmm. in creative ways. You know, they said there's a lot of contextual combat and, that kind of thing. So I think that, yeah, I'm excited. I know, again, this is not the podcast uh, <laughs> for 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 this right now, but uh, E3 has been really interesting this year, and it hasn't been this interesting in a while. Agreed. So I guess that's it for me. All right. Um, on my end, here are my highlights. I, I saw 22 Jump Street, finally, and uh, that's a great sequel. To a really good comedy, so uh, very funny. Uh, Jamie, I did see As Above, So Below. And? And uh, I thought it was okay. I thought Yay. it had problems. Um, you know, I'll take okay. I'll take okay. Yeah. Is I, it on Netflix yet? I don't know. Okay. I want to say it is. I'm it out, but I keep waiting to see if it hits Netflix. But yeah, I thought, I thought it was a really good premise. I thought most of the execution was good. Um, I'm just not, I'm not crazy about the end of that movie. Uh, that's the complaint everybody has. I like it. I, I just don't feel like it's enough, you know? I mean, I can, I get it. I mean, I, I just didn't have, you know, personally have an issue with it, but I can understand that. Yeah. But overall, I, I enjoyed it. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. It, I mean, that's a backhanded compliment, I know, but, uh, it, it it's as good as I got for that movie. Um, it, it's fine. It. The ending is disappointing. Fucking Insidious 3. I went to see Insidious 3. How is that? <laughs> Sorry, I totally just jumped Obviously right forgettable in. if she forgot about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jumped right in with that Jamie Jenkins. Um, no, I really liked it. I, I did. Uh, of course you I did. Thought it was, I thought it, well, I thought it was better than the second one. <laughs> it it so, better be. <laughs> I don't think it was as as the first one, but... I, I kind of dug what they did with it, and uh, any fan of the, anyone who you know just likes the series on the whole, I think will appreciate it. Yeah. And you saw it, Mike? No, I haven't seen it. I've oh, seen okay. the first two, but not uh, not the third one. But when Jamie said it's better than the second one, I'm like, well, that's a start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that second one's kind of garbage. We all need to just, you know, the scale should fall from our eyes and all acknowledge that Insidious 2 is not good. The best thing about Insidious 2 was 
the the haunted house based around it at Hollywood Horror Nights because that was pretty cool. I was like, oh yeah, that was in the movie, and it's much cooler in this haunted house than it was in the movie. Oh, I missed that year. God damn it. Um, you make you both. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I saw Dracula Reborn. That's a movie about Dracula. Well, how about that? Was yeah. he reborn? He well, kinda. I guess sorta. Not really. It's terrible. Uh, you, you're gonna see that pop up, and you're gonna think because it says it like this is a modern retelling of the Bram Stoker classic. That is not even close. Uh, <laughs> That's not, that is not a real description of that movie. Um, it's terrible. Uh, I saw Extraterrestrial. Oh, what did you think of that? Um, I that thought that, yeah, I thought, I, I thought the tone was all over the place. Um, I, I didn't appreciate, I felt like we were gonna get to the ship a lot sooner for some reason. I don't know why I had that impression. But then it just turned into every other movie you see about this these days. And granted, there's only like two or three of them, but still, I've seen this before where it's just like, oh, we're going to be kind of chased around for a while, and then you're going to have a few minutes inside the ship, and then whatever. Uh, the ending, the very ending, you know, I I enjoy a grim ending at times, and, and the ending of this one's pretty grim, so uh, that was okay. It's... It's not very good. I, I wish it were better because I like the idea of the movie a lot. All right. The Dead 2 falls oh, into the same yeah. category. I wish that were a better movie. I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was as effective as the first one, but I, I mean, to me, it yeah, was I basically the first one all over again. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. my complaint is it, it's the first one all over again, but it doesn't have the same political weight. That right. the first, it, it doesn't have as much to say. I agree with that. Uh, I do, however, think that it was, uh, it was a good, I, I think it was perfectly fine. It, to me, it just didn't do a whole lot new or really anything new. But, yeah. it, I mean, they yeah. flirted with talking about like sort of this Indian caste system. By the way, the movie takes place in India. The, the caste system there, but nothing is ever, that's not a big deal in the movie. Or, or if so, it is such a subtle political commentary that it just went right past me. I don't know if that's the case. Um, I will. I agree with you. So it, it maybe it went past both of us. I don't know. Yeah, that's <laughs> entirely possible too. Um, we were too busy flapping our gums at each other and then just went. Whoosh, right yep. <laughs> yep. Damn it, I missed it. <laughs> uh, I saw another alien movie called The Device, uh, which was also an interesting premise that is poorly handled, which is a shame. Uh, it seems so, to happen these days. Yep. Uh, I, I saw St. Vincent, uh, which is the Bill Murray, uh, flick. Uh, and that's worth a look. Um, Automata, Automata, uh, with, uh, Antonio Ibenderes. Um, that's a pretty good movie. It's, it's not a great movie, but it's an interesting movie. I would recommend that. Uh, you saw Jurassic World. I saw Poseidon Rex. Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Except one of those movies really sucks, and I, I know because I saw it, and it was called <laughs> Poseidon Rex. Uh, I saw Fury, the uh, uh, Brad Pitt, uh, oh, yeah. Shia okay. the Beef Joint. That's another movie that doesn't know what it wants to be. It kind of wants to be an action movie, but it also wants to be a uh, like a meditative commentary on war, like 
Saving Private Ryan or something. And it mm-hmm. can't commit to either thing, really. And instead, it just becomes kind of a mess. It's it's not great. I will say that Shia uh, the Beef is not the worst in it. But, oh. you know... I, he gets a bad rap because he's probably a crazy person, but, uh, you know, he's not a bad actor. Um, I saw Chappie. How was that? I've, I've got that, uh, just got it from Netflix tonight. You know, my, uh, my interest level in that film was nil. Like, I had no interest whatsoever in watching that movie, even though it was done by the same guy who did District 9, which, I did like, but amazing just, movie, and he also did Elysium. Oh yeah, not so great. Um, which I just didn't care. I like just didn't. I don't know why I didn't want to see this movie. But we were at a friend's house, and they were like, "Hey, let's watch this. I really like it." I was like, "Okay." Well, it was actually better than I thought it was going to be. So, um, it was. It had some really fun moments, like endearing moments. It was pretty good, I have to say, and it it um, hit with some commentary which uh he is apt to do so um i say well good thing from netflix check it out you know i think you'll dig it well done okay um lastly i will say that i will actually second to lastly uh i finally saw the woman in black after forever the first one yeah yeah i just never gotten around to that one and uh Goddamn, Bo, I did a written review for that movie when it came out, and that's back when we were doing Last Blog. I know, I know. I still never saw it. I'm. It's no fault of yours or your writing ability. <laughs> it's just I never got around to it. And I know it's, you know, like at the time it seemed like every everyone I knew who was a horror fan saw The Woman in Black, and I was I was left behind. I was Kirk Cameron. <laughs> and Were you talking about bananas all of a sudden? I could have been. Have you seen, have you seen that thing? Where no, I like, have not. You just sound nuts to me right now. <laughs> there's this video. Go on YouTube. There's this video where Kirk Cameron <laughs> describes how there is proof that God exists because of the banana. And um, he actually goes into this whole – well, he's talking to a guy who goes into this whole breakdown of why the banana proves that there is a God. And – and whether you're religious or not, this is just a very silly concept. And I just, you have to check it out for yourself. But anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah, so I saw The Woman in Black. <laughs> and not you're your not crazy banana video. Um, you can't control me! David would be so mad right now. I know! <laughs> um, so, you hear that, David? So I thought the woman in black was atmospheric. I think there were way too many jump scare kind of moments in that, in that film. I thought the, the moments that worked best were like when they were pulling the carriage out of the mud to retrieve the body of the boy and stuff. It was like, that's kind of the hammer I want, mm-hmm. which is this very gothic atmospheric kind of stuff. And when it became a more modern feeling film, I was less interested in it. I don't think you will like the second one at all. Have you seen the uh, made-for-TV one from the late 80s, the Canadian one? No. Do they play it's hockey not. on the moors? Is <laughs> uh, it Canadian? I thought it was British. Maybe it is British. I don't know. <laughs> what's but, the difference? <laughs> yeah, what's They're the not difference? us. That's, and that's, that really, it, it just ends right there. <laughs> um, that one's really good. That's. I thought it was much superior to the Daniel Radcliffe piece. 
Huh, okay. It's, and it's uploaded on YouTube, so it's fairly easy to get a hold of. I would highly recommend that one. I think it's atmospheric. They do a really good job uh, with the period piece. Uh, the woman in black herself is uh, pretty scary. She, because you know, they don't have CGI, lots of special effects, so I'll often... You know, they're using scares by just having her kind of stand at a distance in the cemetery where you see her kind of on the screen, but it's not focused on her where it's kind of doing the sleight of hand kind of stuff. But it's really effective, and I thought it was really interesting. I actually talked about that one with Corey like a long time ago on the show, um, but I think we might have done it like right as the one here was coming out in the theater kind of either to compare or just in our in our protest of the not good one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, if you ever get a chance to catch that, it's pretty easy to get a hold of. So I'd be interested to see what you think of it. Yeah, I'd be curious to see it, sure. Um, and then the very last thing, I swear to God, is uh, I watched the first two Wreck films in preparation for tonight. Cause Oops. I, I, no, no, no. I felt <laughs> like I owed it to myself because I hadn't seen Wreck 2 in particular in a long time. And I hadn't seen Wreck in a while. And I love Wreck. So I enjoyed the hell out of that, and then Wreck 2 happened. And it's okay. It's it's nowhere near as good as the original. But I felt like I was prepared going into this. And I had seen um, the third one not, not terribly long ago. and you know. It's like it ends to Alien, almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought it was okay. You know, I had a good time with the movie. It was hard to to marry the idea of that being a wreck film in my brain because it was so different. Um, so yeah. I guess I'm one of those assholes. But no, <laughs> no, I I actually agree with you now more than more than I would have when I first saw Wreck Two. I think when I initially saw Wreck Two, I was like, oh my god, this is fantastic, and as the time's gone by and I've actually rewatched the first two, one just is on its own level, in my opinion. Uh, it's as far as just being a straight up found footage horror movie that yeah. that last 20 minutes, that last 20 minutes is genius. Oh it moves God. so fast. It is so grueling that last 20 minutes and, and wreck two. It's, I still think it's solid, but to me, there's just something, I mean, just overall, to me, there's just something less horrifying when guys go into the building with automatic machine guns and they're able to pick off guys left and right. And it, it, yeah. yes, a lot of them are going to get theirs in the end, but you take away from some of the horror. And I mean, when I said the aliens, the aliens comparison to Alien, it, I mean, you had a little bit of a similarity where you know all of a sudden guys with machine guns are picking off aliens left and right, as opposed to just one really scary alien that's taken out everyone with limited weapons and more just regular everyday people. And I think that's an Wreck, excellent yeah. comparison. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally do. They're very squishy in Wreck 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I even, um, back when I talked about that one for the first time, I, I even felt like coming off the heels of, because I watched them like back to back to back, coming off the heels of the first one, it seems almost comedic to me. And, in at times, like the, the fireworks thing is kind of ridiculous. And yeah, because the first one is so horrifying and so just like truly scary to me. You know, it, it, I think they're just vastly different in in tone. 
But that was me. I don't know. I actually haven't seen the second one in years, so I should probably go back and watch it again. Uh, I would argue, then, that we quit fucking around. Um, because we <laughs> are talking about Rec 4, the, the final chapter, supposedly, in the uh, the Rec series. Uh, 3 was kind of this weird offshoot film, so it, kind of the direct films are 1, 2, and 4. Uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about on the uh, uh, Watch Instantly portion of Devour the Podcast. But before we do that, uh, we're going to talk about news, things that are happening in we the world of horror. We don't do it. Um, yeah, we're going to call it What's Happening, Horror. <laughs> hey, did you just call me a whore? No. <laughs> I, maybe. I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm trying not to, if that helps. And so, just let it fly. <laughs> uh, but uh, so yeah, we're gonna, we're going to talk about some news and uh, let's do our first break, and then we'll come back with news. <laughs> okay. David Richardson, owner of Richardson Studio, is a postmodern surrealistic sculptor hailing from Colorado, whose work has been in Gothic Beauty magazine, Amazing Figure Modeler magazine, and at many art exhibits across the U.S. and abroad. His works have even been recognized by the great Guillermo del Toro. He's currently collaborating with Clive Barker in a few sculpture projects, including a limited edition aluminum cast wall hanger based on Clive's 1997 sketch, V for Vice Versa, which was published within his A to Z of horror book. Just released for Halloween was a pewter skull medallion that tributes Clive's Sumi sketch and also comes in a limited edition bronze casting. They can be purchased at the official Clive Barker store. Please check out more of David's sculptures and jewelry at DaveRichardsonArt.com and follow him on Twitter at SculptorDave. Welcome back to Devour the Podcast. I continue to disappoint you as your host, Bo. Um, <laughs> but now it's time for Jamie to do so. Jamie. <laughs> oh, look at that. You gave me an introduction. Yeah. How about some news? <laughs> Well, it just so happens that I have some. Yay. What? I know. Okay, well, first up, long-in-development prehistoric shark thriller Meg has not only made its way out of development hell, but it now has Eli Roth attached to direct it, which means that it will, mean what? It will be made and look fantastic and never come out. That's. <laughs> and you'll find out Eli Roth really had nothing to do with it. Well, yeah, or that, or, yeah, Um the novel about two men fighting a giant shark off the coast of California, which I have, by the way, has had its setting relocated to China to take advantage of financing opportunities. So, But it's interesting that they relocated the entire thing. Could they not just find Chinese people and give them a California accent? Well, and- <laughs> the idea is that Asia is such a big market that if it happens off the coast of China, then, you know, it appeals to Americans because it's a big-ass shark, and we love that. And it appeals to the Chinese because it's right there. It's happening nearby. Oh, well, there you go. Well, and that is is interesting you should say that because what we've learned from Jurassic World is that China is a huge fucking market. Do you know how much of their – how much of those sales came – like first weekend movie sales came from China? It's insane. And 95% of the people in China who watched it watched in 3D. The new roaring – So – it's just, uh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Um, but it's, the book is pretty good. 
Yeah, I, I like it. So, yeah, it could be a fun movie. I'm, Eli Roth is not the first person I would go to with this, probably. Uh, no. I don't. As a matter of fact, I think it's kind of an odd choice um, because the last thing that he did he did that was sort of even relatable to this would be, I guess, the earthquake thing. I mean, because at least that was sort of disastrous and actiony, and we all know how you feel about that one. Yeah, yeah, it's a terrible, uh, offensive film. <laughs> so I, I, it is, you know, I don't know, Giant Shark, Eli Roth. Those are not two things that I marry in my mind. But all right, here's my secret hope, though, is that Eli Roth is like, this is my Jaws, right? And so he spends the money to get a, a real, not real, but a fake, a real fake shark made. You know what I mean? Like a Bruce of his own. <laughs> Except with modern technology, right? With all the puppetry and stuff like that that you can do now. And maybe you do the digital stuff, like your, your CGI shark for the underwater shots. And then you have this big mechanical shark that you've made. To do the out-of-water stuff. And, I mean, I don't know that he would ever do that, but that's my secret hope. That would be well, cool. I mean, I'd like to see what that looked like today. What I don't want it to look like is, uh, like, a sci-fi movie with, you know, CGI giant shark. Uh, yeah, As I in Psy Network. Right, right, right. Like right. Poseidon Rex. I, you know, I don't, that, I don't want that. And, um, so I Wait, you're not, are you not holding out hope for Sharktopus versus Whale Wolf? <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I hate Captain to say it, but that would capture my imagination in a way I could not refuse. It's coming. Whale wolf. It sounds like someone with a speech impediment. Heard <laughs> 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 a really fucked up accent. Well, it's funny because all like they've released kind of like a one minute preview, and there's no there's no sighting of the whale wolf yet. So maybe that's going to be their uh, big selling point. You don't get to see the whale wolf. Unless you watch <laughs> See, like you sound like, you know what, you actually sound like a toddler trying to say werewolf. <laughs> I've seen plenty of the shark to post running around down hallways. Uh, is I it a combination or is it a whale that, like, under the full moon turns into a wolf? Because <laughs> that's the movie I would kind of prefer. Like, the yeah. whale is Lawrence Talbot, you know? <laughs> Tortured by the thing it must become. <laughs> I that actually sounds pretty interesting. Probably more interesting than the movie's actually going to be. But um, think about how deep you could go because the moon and the tides, you know. Right, right. Like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, you could marry all kinds of lore. Um, it that, beaches it, itself for the transformation scene. You play Blue Moon. <laughs> well, also, is, is this movie going to steal uh, the thunder from Sharknado Three? Because I think they're coming out around the same. Like, I feel like we got the better movie here. I, I, we'll see. I'll tell you what. Given the choice between, if I can only pick one, I would watch Whale Wolf over Shark Sharknado Three, because oh. the, as cameo filled as Sharknado Two was, I got really tired of it by the time we got to the end. Of yeah, it. and like, it's I'm all kind of Z-list celebrities. Well, yeah, well, exactly. Well, lucky for <laughs> Jamie's not going to have to choose. She's going to get to watch both. <laughs> Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Damn you, evil episodes. <laughs> Speaking of evil episodes, there's a segue right into the next story here. I was well like, done. wait, we're in the news? Yeah. Showtime's Penny Dreadful has secured a third season, and this is something I am, this is a three that I'm really excited about. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
Um, the new season will be nine episodes and naturally premiere in, nine, in 2016. I am so in love with this show. And I'm enjoying the second season oh so that I can <laughs> Let me tell you. I am so in love with the show, you wouldn't even know. <laughs> um, what? Oh, anyway, I'm really excited, so there. <laughs> it's great. I like how you dialed it back. Um, so from everything else, too. I haven't seen I any of season two. I've, I've seen all of season one, have not seen first oh, episode season of season two. two is so good. I can't wait for you to get there because I want to talk about it. So hurry up and get hey, This show puts Evergreen through the damn ringer. She, she's crying. She's possessed. She's angry. She's in love. She, she goes through so much on this damn show. She does. I mean, um, and then you've got that whole bit in this season where she, uh, you see her go and visit or stay with someone and do some stuff. I'm trying not to spoil it here. Um, but it's just, that's a harrowing experience. I mean, everything, she is seriously. Yeah, I mean, emotionally just wrung out. If they're looking to nominate someone from genre TV, I was seriously looking her to write. Who's the last person? Dexter, right? Michael C. Thomas. Well, no, didn't, uh, did anyone from Hannibal? I thought that was fairly well lauded. What about American Horror Story? It's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. That's true. So I guess Mike, your point yeah, has been found invalid. <laughs> Damn it. Well, the point is, look at Evergreen. She is really good in this show. Yeah, I, I no, I have an unhealthy, some would say litigious, uh, a fascination with Ava Green, especially on that show. Um, you know, I, I, I think she's. A weird actress in a way. She's almost like the Jeff Goldblum equivalent of young actresses. Uh, <laughs> she has just weird deliveries and she has these intense eyes and. Oh man, she makes it what I refer to as the baby cat face all the time because there, it's <laughs> baby cat being our baby cat because whenever she's disgruntled about something, she does this like eyebrows straight across, you know, looking down anger look face and Ava Green does that all the time. I mean, she's always just looking very intense. I'm like, oh, there goes the baby cat face. I mean, because she just looks, um, she, she has a good, like, just got done crying face, too. Even, like, in scenes where she's not crying or angry, it, it's like she has that expression on her face. Like, she just got done going through something very emotional. Yeah, she's really good. Yeah, she's a, I mean, other films and, and, and television that I've seen her in, she's always striking, you know? Um Yeah. I, I like that show as well. I'm, I haven't seen season two, as we mentioned, but I, I will, and I'm looking. I'm glad that show's getting a season three, even though I haven't seen the later episodes. So, Bo, question for you. Since you haven't seen it, are you, uh, do you compile the episodes on DVR, or do you just kind of get a whole show when you can? I don't have cable uh, at all. So, um, yeah, so I kind of rely on Hulu and streaming services and stuff like that. And a man of the times. Yeah. And usually what I'll do is I'll buy a series if it's not available normally, you know, or through the outlets that I pay for. Uh, so like I bought season one and I just haven't bought season two yet because I'm kind of waiting for it <laughs> to honestly to wrap up and I don't hear enough about it that I feel like I'm going to spoil it for myself. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm you know I'll, I'll I am a binge watcher. I like that Netflix model of oh, here's yeah. here's a series that you really like. Now watch it in a week. You know. Mm-hmm. I love that. I hate having to wait. Like Game of Thrones is killing me from week to week. Well, it was until it just ended. Now it's killing me for a whole another fucking until the next season starts. Spoilers. But, um. It's, <laughs> but it's just like, oh, it's like what, the same thing with The Walking Dead. I'm just from week to week. I'm like, I don't want to wait another week. I want to watch it all right now. And um, but, but there is something nice, though, about that anticipation. Well, there is. And there's that's actually the, the, the good thing about that is that it keeps me grounded in the way we used to be. And I kind of like that old school approach to it where you had to wait from week. It, it really mm-hmm. like it drives me nuts. But in a good way. I mean, and, you know, I, I do like the anticipation. But I also really like being able to just sit down and watch something straight through. Yeah. I, I think there are certain shows that it, 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 it works for. Like Game of Thrones, I think, is great week to week. Because it gives you that time to discuss and, like, holy shit, did you see that? And what about yeah, this? And and what this do you think is going to happen with this? And, right. You know, which, which I do at work all the time. You know, we have this, these conversations like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens here. And, you know. It's great for the water cooler discussion. The week, yes. Week yeah. Yeah. But something yeah. like Daredevil, when, you know, Netflix was just like, here it is. What do you think of that? And it was great, you know, and I loved watching. Like, I watched all of Daredevil in a weekend, mm-hmm. and I I loved it. Like, it was such a great experience because the hooks from one episode to the next were good enough that it, you know, shot you through that series really, really fluidly. Um, so I don't know that that's a show I <laughs> want to talk about for a week because <laughs> then it starts to fall apart. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I mean, the biggest difference with modern times, too, is now it's hard because there's a thousand choices of TV shows to watch. I mean, I'll talk to people from work. We we might have, like, two to three shows in common, but otherwise, like, I have ten other shows I watch. They have ten completely separate shows I watch, or they watch, mm-hmm. and... Yeah, there are shows that people ask know. me about and I've never heard of. Yeah. Like, oh, do you watch blah, blah, blah? I'm like, I don't even know that exists. Right, <laughs> like, I, I kind of want to watch Teen Wolf on MTV, because I've heard that it's actually pretty good. Oh, Mike watched it. Or at least the the first you, couple seasons, yeah. the third one kind of went off the rails, and I it, it's still on in the household because we have people in the family in that demographic or in the house on that demo- demographic, so it's it's still on. But me personally, after the second season, it kind of ran its course. But I thought the first couple seasons were actually uh, pretty good for what it was going for for a show aimed at that demographic. I was like, okay, it's not actually that bad. Which I'm crossing my fingers will be the same with the Scream series coming up because that could go either good or really bad. I haven't even watched a trailer yet, to be honest. I, just the whole idea sounds terrible to me. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I disagree with you about the idea behind it, but <laughs> it's 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 my job to. Sure, sure. Uh, no, I get it. I get it. You report back and let me know if I should. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm skipping around here because I like flow, oh. but um, not to be outdone by I other genre shows. A and E's Bates Motel is renewed for two seasons, two at once. I love that. I was so excited when I heard that because they're like, we're not even going to fuck around and say, yeah, we're going to take one more. We're going to take two more. The, Save that item. 
This will guarantee the series for five seasons, which seems like plenty of time to tell the events of Norman Bates' life prior to the film, which honestly you could easily wrap up right now if you wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could easily take the, where the last season ended and tie it into the film right now with just a, a little bit of you know finesse. And so I'm curious to see what they're going to be doing for the next two seasons, but I am happy to give them the time to stretch their legs and get there in their own good time. Yeah. Uh, Bo, are you familiar with Bates Motel at all? I'm, I'm familiar in that we have discussed it on the show a number of times. And I, you know, speaking of unhealthy obsessions, Vera Famiga, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, I don't, she I, has her I, I heard the first season was good. But I heard the second season maybe wasn't so good. Oh, I don't think so at all. I've liked it. Uh, I've liked it straight. Yeah, I, don't, I think it's been a natural progression. Um, I mean, if if the show has any weak points, I would say it's that there's a lot of side stories going on that don't directly pertain to Norman and his mother. Right. But they're not... I, at the same time, though, as much as they don't have to do with the main story, I wouldn't even call them weak stories. It's just that it's more, I would say, a distraction from the purpose of why you're watching the show. So, I mean, yeah, it's good and bad. But I think in this past season, they managed to bring those together a little bit more. Yeah. And because that had been I, one of my I, complaints, you know, it's like whenever the pot stuff was on, I was just it was to me just. I was biding my time until we got back to Norma and Norman. But now with this past season, I've kind of had to eat my words with that because it's sort of been moving together in a very nice way. And going with the timeline, so extending it for two more seasons, it's a great thing, no doubt about that. Happy about that. My question is, though, is will they do you or I guess I'll ask Jamie since you're current on the show. (laughs) What is what is your opinion? Do you think uh, there's going to be a point in the show where they're kind of going to events like immediately before Psycho? Because where they are in the show at this point, you know, try not to give out any spoilers here, but they could very well. I mean, if you're just logically looking at the progression in Norman himself, I, I, I'm almost thinking it could be before the end of that fifth season, before there is no mother anymore. Well, physically. Yeah, I mean, I, I, hope, been, I'm, well, I hope I'm not spoiling Psycho for anyone. It is, it's been around for a while, so in that case, sorry. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's on you, not us. Yeah, I mean, just where where we saw him at just the season three finale itself, yeah. two more seasons of him where, considering where he's already going mentally, I'm like... They could be, he could be running that hotel before right. the end of that fifth season, and we might get like a scene of it being kind of more psycho than Bates Motel, just like kind of like him running the hotel with events before Psycho, and I'd be totally down for that. What if the last I, episode is uh, the car pulling up? Oh my god. That's that, that, yes, yes. That would never leave my I, DVR. That's what I would absolutely love. The, I fully expect that I, I think that before we get to the end of the show we're going to have some time where Vera Farmiga is still in the show but I think only I think she will only be appearing as his as his mother conscious like as his projection 
of his mother. Like, I, I think that we're going to get to that point. Yeah. I fully expect it. And I want it to. Like, I'm okay with that. And I think Bo's idea just now, if if any executives are listening and they had not yet decided that's what they were going to do, do it because that would be perfect. Right. Even if we get, like, a half season of that to close out the series, I mean, that would be just so cool. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I support it, and I have never seen one frame <laughs> of this show. Well, you should watch it, Bo. I think you'll, I think you'll like it. But um, speaking of the shows that Bo does like, um, Hannibal. Uh, you're a fan of Hannibal, aren't you, Bo? Yeah, I haven't seen any okay. of the new season yet. NBC is kind of a dick about how they stream that stuff. Well, Hannibal producer Brian Fuller is taking on Neil Gaiman. This actually has nothing to do with Hannibal, Hannibal except for the producer, but it was a segue. Is taking on Neil Gaiman's American That's a good one. God. Which will be a Stars exclusive. The lead I think role it was your best. It, do you think? Oh, it's because I said your name. Uh. <laughs> the lead role has yet to be cast, but Brian Fuller and co-producer Michael Green stated in an official release, quote, almost, did they say this together? Was it like in unison? <laughs> it was a almost, joint press release, yeah. Almost 15 years ago, 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 Neil Gaiman, 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 filled a toy box that was two pieces of is what that was. Filled a toy box with gods and magic, and we were thrilled to finally crack it open and play. End quote. Yeah, I've never read that. I heard it was really good. <laughs> I haven't. Either. It's really good, but pe- more people need to watch it because, from what I heard, I haven't seen the re- like the story myself on P- on Facebook. They were saying like the ratings for the season three premiere were like way down, which sucks because oh, talking- winter- huh? I said, are you talking about Hannibal? Yeah. Oh, he's talking about American Gods. The- <laughs> damn it. What this story was actually yeah. about. <laughs> like, in, in between, Jamie will read a new story and the topic kind of changes. Uh-uh. I heard the word Hannibal and, like, my mind just stuck to that. <laughs> and your ears just couldn't keep up at all. <laughs> all right, all right. No, no, it happens. I am not, I'm not pointing a finger. I'm saying... I, I'm saying you're here now. Welcome. We're, we're continue the story with my one warning. Watch the show, Hannibal. Yeah, absolutely. Back to I agree. Actual- Back to the news. Yeah, I actually don't know anything about American Gods, so I have no comment on this. But yeah, I was kind of secretly hoping that Mike had uh, had read American Gods. Like I'm a I'm a Neil Gaiman fan. I think he's a really fascinating and creative and talented guy i just haven't read this thing but i hear it's really interesting and the fact that it's a tv show i think it's kind of superhero based i believe i i thought it was i guess at the time i thought that was more interesting than it really was <laughs> i i saw neil gaiman and i was like oh yeah american gods i heard good things about producer. that and hannibal um, producer way, right. hannibal is bloody as hell um, I love, I, I just love how gory that show is. And to be on NBC, that's just, yeah. bam. Okay, well, we'll skip along. Uh, move, moving on, uh, Scream Factory has announced the Blu-ray release of collector's editions of both Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight and Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood. The newly commissioned artwork will be revealed sometime in July, and both films will be available on October 20th of this year. Not really, doesn't really matter. All you're really going to do is when you get the new artwork, you're going to flip it over and use the original anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't, I'm kidding. Some of that, some of the artwork is good, but for the most part, I tend to, I tend to prefer the original artwork, but, um, 
Actually, for these movies, I'd, I'd be interested to see what they have because neither of their original artwork was all that phenomenal. I am a fan of both of these. People seem to like really like Demon Knight and not give much of a damn for Bordello of Blood, but I like them both. I like, I like Bordello of Blood. Yeah, I like it more than I feel like I should. All right. Well, it's good to hear that someone else out there likes it. Yeah. I kind of like it in a like, trashy B-movie type it's, way where yeah. it has kind of has like that formula where it's almost, you would say, a guilty pleasure for liking it, but you can't help but like it. Yeah, it's like Dennis Miller's one-liners are terrible, but they're kind of wonderfully terrible. Corey, yeah. uh, Corey Feldman is, is really bad in it. Um, Erica Aleniak, is that right? <laughs> the model turned actress, um, <laughs> is, you know, it's just there for eye candy. There's a dumb gag at the end. I don't know. I kind of dig it. And Chris Sarandon is clearly in just like, oh, I can just do whatever the hell I want in this movie? Okay, well, then that's what I'm going to do. And, yeah, I, I do kind of like it. But Demon Knight, legitimately, I think, is actually a really good horror movie. Oh, yeah, Billy Zane is badass in that movie, too. He's really good. Jada Pinkett is great in that. It's a great Dick Smith performance. Yeah, all around. So I am looking forward to both of those releases. Um, is that going to be a dual release? Like, is a, or are they going to be two separate releases? I guess two separates. They're they're two separate collectors editions, is my understanding. But they're releasing okay. them the same day. All right. Well, look forward to that. And I will buy one of those for sure, and maybe both. Probably both. One for sure. Well, this is not. This next story is not so much exciting. I have to say, not for me anyway. But uh, during an email exchange with the Wall Street Journal, John Carpenter confirmed he is in talks to give up rights to Big Trouble in Little China. Carpenter said, I'm ambivalent about a remake. On the other hand, it depends on how much they pay me. I really am interested in a remake of this film, um, nor in a remake starring Dwayne Johnson. I mean, I think that this is, of all of his films, this is probably one of the most, that one of the more viable ones for a sequel, but I don't care to see a remake of this. I agree. I would say, I mean, if I had my choice, I'd say leave it alone totally. But it, to me, it would make more sense to do a sequel. You could maybe get away with it. You know, I don't know. It's kind of tough. Cause yeah, I mean, really, ideally, I would just say leave it be. But Yeah, right. I mean, I know. I think there was like a story of uh, Dwayne Johnson or The Rock, too like asking John Carpenter to come aboard for it, but it's like, come on, how likely is that? The studios don't want to go down that road. They're just going to find like their guy for hire probably to uh, direct it. I don't know. It's certain movies when a movie like big trouble in little China, just any movie that has the director, the director's fingerprints all over it, just in the style and, the way it's made, it's just unfortunate when you know it's going to get remade, probably in a generic fashion. And uh, I, I've kind of given up being mad about sequels and remakes. I have just become indifferent to them. Like, well, hey, I'm not going to go see it, so whatever. Right, right. Like, I'll get around to it at some point, probably. Yeah, like if if by some miracle it gets released and, you know, it's getting praised by everyone – Okay, maybe you'll talk me into going to see it, but I, the interest isn't there, and I probably just won't go see it, and that's that. Well, to me, but isn't that like 
isn't that the worst thing is that people for I mean to announce that you're going to do something and then people are just like, well, I'm going to go see it, so I don't care. I mean, it, it, well, sure, but that's that want. that's voting with your dollars though, because no, after... I, I mean on our side, I think that that's yeah, that's the way to do it. But I mean on their side, if you hear that, wouldn't you just be like, well, maybe we shouldn't do this <laughs> because you no one hope. wants to see it. <laughs> but I, I think they're banking on like the typical internet movie critic who's going to bash the idea but then when it gets released they'll end up going to see it and i've i've and i've seen a lot of people like oh uh, this is a horrible idea yeah i'll probably go see it but and i'm like well why <laughs> I, i'm not interested i'm not gonna go see it that that's all there is to it and like, i haven't even gotten yeah. around to the old boy remake yet you know <sighs> yeah but, and yeah. if it's big trouble in little china starring the rock it's gonna be a big budget movie and they do not give a fuck about what horror fans think about anything. Well, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, when it comes to horror, it's like, what's paying off right now? You know, it's the horror slot machine. It's like, what is it, found footage? That's paying off? Let's make a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, right. I'd, I'd almost say if they're going to go through with this and do it, like, I don't know how far into the process they are, but if they're going to actually go do this, they in order to be for it to be a success maybe not money wise because it might be anyway but i would say they have to go in a different direction because if you're casting the rock as jack burton it doesn't seem you know i might be right is, is he going to be hapless because that's what kurt russell yeah, is that's the whole point of the character of jack Which burton would be great if like dwayne johnson knows comedy he's a funny dude he could do that character, but yeah. is but, I mean, is the, that the, the movie they're going to make? Even what's going for because we don't even know, you know, what how loosely it's going to be based or not on the original. They could just be using it for the name, and it's nothing like the original. And right, and he'll be heroic, which Jack Burton never was. Not really. Right. He thought he was. He never was. Oh, yeah. He was like a useful idiot that just stumbled into his his successes in the movie. And uh, if you don't play the character like that, it's a totally different movie. That's my thinking. It's like, if that's what you're going to do, fine, whatever. But you better totally just take it in a different direction and not try to do something similar but totally change the character of Jack Burton. It just would not make sense. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure that's what they'll do. They'll, you know, what is the four quadrant movie that we can make out of this? You know. Yeah, they'll probably take the wrong lessons and <laughs> like you. Well, that's how we're gonna do the movie. Yeah, no, I'd love it if they were like, look, we're gonna we're gonna pay John Carpenter a half a million dollars to write a new version starring The Rock, and it's whatever the fuck John Carpenter want to do. Then I'd be totally on board. But like you said, I'm not against it. it. I just hear it and I'm like, well, I'll see it sometime, probably. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like Poltergeist. I, I'll see it sometime, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it hits Netflix and I don't really have to go out of my way, I might hit the play button at least to start it, and we'll see how far I get into it. But uh, if it takes me any more effort than that, I'm not because. Like your options now with everything out there, there's just so much stuff to see that you start prioritizing. And you're like, eh, I don't really care. 
Yeah, do I want to see a new thing I've never seen before, or do I want to see a remake of a movie that I know is better than the remake that I'm about to see? You know, like Poltergeist, there's no way that the, what I was going to walk into was as good as Poltergeist. Why do I want to watch that? Not even close. <laughs> yeah. It, a lot of these horror movies now that come out in the theater, you you don't feel that, like, either the writers or the directors are really getting much freedom to make a unique movie anyway. I feel like they're like, hey, the studios are basically like, we know what you have to do to make a certain people come out and see it. That's the formula you're going to follow. If you don't like it, we'll find someone else to do it. Yeah. And that's yeah. see what you get. And we do get Diamonds in the Rough. That's not to say everything that comes out in the theater is like that, but it just seems like when you watch trailer after trailer, a majority of them, there's the paint-by-numbers formula that they'll make their box office uh, return on it, and other than that, they don't. Right. If we can open to 20, we'll, we'll produce it for five. And that's... That's the algorithm, like what gets you there as far as horror films go. Like Jason Blum, uh, who has had tremendous success, but he also kind of poisons the well because that's what horror movies are now. They're $5 million movies, no more, no less. What can you do with that? You know, And some shit needs to be way bigger and some shit needs to be way smaller. It, it's weird. It's a weird production environment right now. Yep, and now I forget what the original news story was. That we, oh, it's John Carpenter saying that. Oh yes. As yes, long as they right. cut him a check, he didn't give a didn't give a shit what they do with. Uh, and I think we've known that about John Carpenter for a while. John Carpenter just likes money, which is okay. I mean, well, uh, you know, he, I mean, he put know, in his time. You know. I think no, I agree with that. And at this point, he's just you know, hey, if you're going to write me a check, it's cool. But that, as you know, Bo, that was the last story that. What? What were you going to say? Well, no, I was just going to say, and it's not like the studios can't afford to pay him to do a proper, like, write-up of a sequel. Like, it's it's a drop in the bucket for them to pay to get this properly done. But, again, they're going to look at it as like, well, we can buy someone really on the cheap, get someone to write it on the cheap, and we'll get our return on it. Or we can pay John Carpenter more money, and, yeah, he might make a really good – or he might write up something really good. But what will the returns look like? Is it worth it? And – I don't know. It's yeah, well, it's you know studio brain. That's that's the way it rolls. Um, yep. But um, as you know, Bo, that was the last story that you had there, and I didn't announce it as the last story, and that's because I, I have one more that I wanted to add. And um, yeah, I just wanted to bring down the room a little bit because that's my favorite thing to do. Um, <laughs> but I, I would like to give a nod to our recent loss of Christopher Lee, which upset me deeply on a personal level. And it doesn't always happen. Um, I I never want to see, I never like to see people die. Um, but um, for some reason, this one just hit me extra hard. And I woke up, That the interesting thing was the date, well, it may not be interesting. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's kind of subjective. But <laughs> the day before, we'd been watching the extras on the Scream Factory release of Howling 2. And there was a really good interview with Reb Brown where, sadly, he did not scream at all. But he did talk about just how wonderful Christopher, Christopher Lee was, how much he loved working with him. He'd worked with him several times, and, and he just what a fantastic person he was. And during that interview, Reb Brown was getting all teared up, which I thought was very sweet. And I actually said to myself while I was watching that, I'm like, God, I really love Christopher Lee. I'm so glad he's still around. 
And the very next day, I wake up to the news on Facebook. And, Bo, you were the one that broke it to me. Uh, you didn't know that at the time, but you did. Um, <laughs> you were the reason that I found out about it. And So, was, in your mind, I killed Christopher you, Lee? You did. You oh, did. shit. Christopher Lee in my but then Brian comes wandering into the living room, and I'm just bawling. And he's like, what's the matter? You know, and I'm like, I couldn't even get it. And it really just devastated me. And uh, so then because of that, we watched uh, later night, we watched uh, Dracula Has Risen from the Grave, which is one of my personal Absolutely. Absolutely. It just, That's the one right where he dies by being impaled by a yes. cross? Yes. Fucking A. That's yes. how you kill a vampire. It was awesome. And I I did not want this episode to go by without mentioning that because he was a force. He was a legend. And not only that, he was the, a true badass in every sense of the word, from his military time to his his movie time to his fencing to his – I mean, good God. <laughs> this man just embodied – I, I don't know. It was like he is the the physical embodiment of the most interesting man in the world, and I really feel like we lost something special when we lost him. Yeah, he was a real life Nazi hunting prince of darkness <laughs> Jedi wizard who yeah. also played metal Christmas music. You know, yeah, yeah. he was an incredibly special guy, and it, it it's. It's it's awful that he passed, but man, what he left behind! Holy God! He kicked ass all the way to the end, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. There is a guy that never wasted a day, and all the better for it. It's it's inspiring, and also kind of makes you kind of shitty about yourself <laughs> when you think about everything that he accomplished. And yeah, but what a, what a great person to be! Like that's that's the dude. Like you want to say at the funeral. That somewhere on the other side, Christopher Lee is given death hell about something. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's a dude who did not want to go, and, and man, he tore it up. God bless him. And he was, I just loved hearing him speak about him. He was so well-spoken, so intelligent. Yeah. So anyway. All right, well, let's pivot right into something stupid. Uh, <laughs> well, that's he- the only way to do it. Here's Ask DTP. Oh, nice. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's get to it. Jason Dennison asks, uh, well, it's more of a statement. Okay, okay, he says, I'm going to get murdered for this question, but am I the only one on Earth that, during my first watch of Rosemary's Baby ever, found Mia Farrow's voice to be unbearably annoying? I'm not hating on the movie itself, but it was hard getting past it at parts. And then, parenthetically, he says, kneels on the ground for my beating. <laughs> you know, I, that's not something that has ever bothered me, but I definitely wouldn't beat him up if <laughs> for it. Yeah, it's not the craziest thing I ever heard. No, no. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it's it's okay. You can you don't have to hide. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I can see how it can... See if it really is, because if it is, I've, I've just never paid attention, I guess. I don't know. I Maybe. can see how certain... Certain scenes with her voice might come off as a little shrill, but overall it didn't bother me. But I could see how some people. Out yeah, there. 
Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, as long as you can still objectively look at the film and, and see the layers of it and what Polanski's doing in that movie and, and still get something out of it, even if the, the central performance isn't up your alley, you know, you're getting what you need to out of that movie. If you don't watch it all the time, then nobody's going to eat your lunch about that. Right. Um, basically, as long as you admit that this movie is pure art and practically perfect in every way, then no one will hurt you. Right. Yeah. And uh, Mia Farrow it's, is, it's, in fact, no. the greatest actress ever. <laughs> Nerves? <laughs> All right. Uh, wow. Well. And besides, some people find my voice annoying, so, you know. Just give me their names. <laughs> You're one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sit on my own petard. <laughs> God damn it, Gav. Gav asks... Yes, he's still sexy. Uh, no, uh, God, he <laughs> no. just he wrote a story. All right. <laughs> Gav says it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Uh-huh. It was an age of wisdom. I went I to a screening. <laughs> I went to a screening of the new Avengers films, and to make a long story short, no, you didn't. I got free tickets because I could not see the film as we were sold seats, which were not to be sold because of this problem. Another parenthetical. We were above entrance, so balcony in the way of screen, in parentheses. But Why would they even have those seats? I don't know. This is all nonsense. But they really did not want to give free tickets out. Reason was, is apparently they only were receiving 5% of ticket sales. Disney were getting the other 95%. Gav, come on. Disney was getting the other <laughs> 95%. You know, I mean, did we not learn anything from the last episode? We'll I think I think that may come up. So <laughs> my question is, God, finally, does that sound right? As if so, Disney should be ashamed of themselves. There you go. Discuss that. You're a bastard. Disney should always be ashamed of themselves, first of all. I mean, that is not the first time they've done something that you should wag your finger at. Right, but, like, all the money in movie theaters is in concessions. Everyone knows it. Yeah, they... Distributors get paid big time. Yeah, markup on concessions is about 200% uh, average, and... Um, that's why they make money on advertising before you watch the movie and concessions during, and that's really where their big money comes in. Yeah, you're uh-huh. paying you're paying seven dollars for a bucket of corn, of a bucket of popped corn. <laughs> we, the government pays corn farmers not to make so much corn. That's a thing that happens. I think that five percent is a little bit shitty. Um, I mean, that is. T90. I, I would would expect them to pull in a little bit more than that, but um, I, I I don't know. I, I'm still stuck on this. Why would they even have chairs in spots where they don't want to, like where you can't see that? Why? Why would you do that? That's like here, buy this ticket and sit in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, and why why doesn't Gab just ask the question? Hey, do you think that maybe movie theaters should make more than five percent? Instead of the distributors. That's a way shorter question is all I'm saying. <laughs> Although I did find his whole seat debacle interesting. Yeah, um, it's a twisted tale. There's a B plot. <laughs> yeah. I... Man, have you guys 
this episode has like 95% more laughter. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm so giggly. Um, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, bad on them. <laughs> All right, Mike, Mike, do you have anything to add before we move on from this nonsense? I, yeah, movie theaters, like Bo said, they make their money off concessions. I don't know how close to an how close to an industry standard that percentage is, but I mean it's Disney. What are you gonna do? And it's you know yeah fine. Um, all right, moving on. Chuck Knight, God bless you for asking the right questions. How does one show, DTP, contain so much awesome without exploding, completely forming a perfect black hole? and devouring all other podcasts that surround it. Discuss, please. Well, that's where the name came from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are... Uh... <laughs> I, not really. I, I really don't have any idea where that name came from, to be honest. But um, I, I don't even know that I completely get it. <laughs> it's art. It's not for you to get. It's for you to experience. But I appreciate that comment. That is awesome. Thank you. Maybe David will be able to answer for that when he gets back. I'm clearly yeah. he's referring to Bo. Um, oh, yeah, so. I don't think that's the case. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, uh, thank you very much for asking such a flattering question. Um, but I don't More know. More of that, please. Um, I think, I, I think there's a membrane involved, but beyond that, plasma maybe. I don't know. I don't know all the science, but something. Something <laughs> makes it happen. There's a, the, there's a very complicated equation. Is he including guests of Devour the Podcast with yes, that? Yes, he is. I'm going to I'm going to say yes, he is. Yeah, we umbrella okay. that in. You're grandfathered in. You're fine. Nice. Right? It feels good, doesn't it? And you're like, <laughs> wait, wait till you get one of those like Tom Hanks like five time cards. <laughs> uh, the jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like instead of Steve Martin, it's David. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Uh, Jerry Esposito, and, uh, and thanks, Jerry. You always ask questions. Thank you so much. What was your best Jerry an- is off. Just saying. Uh, don't interrupt me again. What was your best <laughs> and or worst experience meeting a horror film actor or actress? <laughs> Mike. I think he's baiting me on purpose. He wants one or the other? Best or worst? Best or worst, yeah. Hmm. Well... I don't really have a worst only because my whole thing in conventions is there's already that built-in awkwardness for me because since it's pretty standard practice for them now to like charge to either get a picture or to talk. Right. It's a business transaction. Yeah. There's already built in awkwardness anyway as a consumer or a fan because you don't know exactly what you're $20 $20 or $10 get you. So half the time it's just a whole awkward greeting meeting, uh, all together. I would say, I'm trying to think because I did go to the SAT Comic Con last year and they had a heavy walking dead presence there. Um, I don't know. This might not count because it wasn't a personal meeting. I thought Bruce Campbell's panel was really good. He did Bruce Campbell versus the audience where he kind of flipped it and brought up audience members as like the star of the panel. That was really cool. I guess face-to-face meeting. I met the guy who was behind the mask in the original Halloween, and 
he was pretty open to just shooting the shit. We did, you know, we plunked down the money for to get some stuff autographed, but it didn't have the feeling of like, okay, where's your money? Here's your autograph. Now move along. He, we talked for a long time and he was gracious and we just shot the shit for a while. Um, that was at, I think last year we had a con here called, uh, days of terror pretty well put together. Um, so that guy was really cool. Worst, I, I don't. I you only get one. Experience. Moving on. Yeah, one or the you other. Had, you had one. one or the other. Sorry. All right, that was my one. You burned it. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not stepping into. The Speaking hole, of Bruce Campbell, I, you just got burn notice, Mike. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not stepping into the hole that I think Jerry is anticipating me to step in because uh, he is well aware of one experience that I've had. So I'm not going there. Um, I because I want to keep it positive. The best experience I ever had, Michael Berryman, and that feels right. Yeah, he is genuinely just super awesome. When I was working at Viscera, I um, and I was doing the marketing for Viscera. I was doing at the at the festival. I was doing check-ins and stuff, and he comes up to get his goodie bag and the check-in, and he just starts chatting and he hung around uh, during like he there was a like just some some lull time and he and his wife just hung around and chatted and just we were just talking just talking about everyday stuff and but while we were talking there were because you always have those like the autograph people who hang around events and their goal is to get autographs of celebrities so that they can then go sell them on ebay and that's like their job and uh, and then you have, like, regular fans who just happen upon it, and they'll see him standing around. They're like, oh, Michael Berryman, and they'll come up and talk to him. He always, always took time for them, always just stopped and spoke to them and was very, just genuinely grateful. And I said, you know, you're, re- I, I love how gracious you are. You're just so nice to people. And he's like, look, without these people, I don't have a job. And I have to, he's like, I can't remind myself that these these people right here are the reason that I get to do what I love. And I appreciate them so much for that. And it was just such a genuine heartfelt response. And I immediately fell in love with this man. He just is the sweetest, most wonderful person. So that right there is easily my favorite experience. I knocked over, not knocked over. I almost knocked over Kate Mulgrew at a Star Trek convention. That story. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, that story exists somewhere in a podcast form where I told the whole story, but that's a thing that happened, and that was probably worst for her. <laughs> she had a, a Sasquatch assault her <laughs> in Huntsville, Alabama. Picture in my head now, right now, because oh, well, you could be rather imposing. I mean, you're a tall guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um. yeah. Mark <laughs> Harrison. He's got an. I don't know if it's Exante Q or Exante Grave. I can't. I don't remember my directions on that. Mark, let me know uh, how I'm screwing this up. But it he, doesn't matter. He's Australian. <laughs> yeah, that's a real. Frenchy name for an Australian. <laughs> All right. Anyway, 
Uh, Mark, <laughs> and thank you again for asking the question. Uh, what is the best length for a horror flick? I'm going to start it off. 85 minutes is a perfect length for a horror film for me. All right. Um, I'm good with 90. I mean, I'm, you know, that's pretty just easy. Hour and a half. I can dig it. Uh, but I can go anywhere. Yeah, I, I can. I can go Sometimes two I feel hours. Like Eighty-five is too short. Yeah, I can do two hours if you're Silence of of, of the Lambs, mm-hmm. but most movies ain't. So knock it off. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely for the slasher genre, between eighty and ninety sounds about right. Um, I could go longer, but really, there's got a point where it begins to feel like filler. Well, like so Scream I'll... Three. <laughs> that bitch yeah. is like. Two hours long. What the fuck? What are you? What are you doing? Stop that. Yeah. Well, but even uh, something like Paranormal Activity, eighty-five minutes is where you need to land with that. Yeah, that was that. They hit the sweet spot with that one. I think that might have been shorter, actually. It probably mostly has to do with like the story itself, what you, what you have in it, how you're progressing the story, and how you finish. I mean, how you know it. It's hard to be an exact, but I would say 85 to 90 minutes is probably the safe zone. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, a horror film, when it's working right, is kind of a roller coaster, right? Like, you wanna, you wanna get in scares. You wanna, you wanna put people through an experience. And to drag it out too long, I think, you know, uh, kind of diminishes the experience. I was, I was thinking about that when I was watching Wreck again. And that mm-hmm. movie's what, like seventy eight minutes, something like that. And it was just like, holy shit! Like that movie does not, it does not waste time ever anywhere. And I I appreciate that about it. And, and it's such an intense experience for uh, for that effort. But you know, but there's stuff obviously like you know Jaws and The Exorcist and The Thing and you know these big stories that need to be told. But on average. You know, like your run-of-the-mill meat and potatoes horror movie, 85 minutes. Yeah. Okay. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Dave says, uh, best plot ideas for the sequel to It Follows. Any tips on how to make sentence structure look more gooder? I have an (laughs) ache in my head brain. (laughs) Well, A, I I can't offer anything to improve that sentence structure. Sounds mighty fine to me. <laughs> the, uh, the plot sequel to It Follows, I kind of was interested in what I was reading about what they might do, where they go to try to track down from the people who have passed it on and passed it on and try to go down that uh, that line to see where it originated from. Otherwise, I don't know. I mean, because of the nature of how it works, I'm not sure – I'm nothing off the top of my head comes up unless you'd wanted to get like totally crazy and just like introduce new sets of rules and all that. But then I probably have to think about it even longer, but I like to kind of like the idea of they, you know, whether it's the same characters or not, they could, you know, you could have the people figure out what it's all about. And like, let's go on and try to trace the origin. I actually like that idea. I think it would be kind of cool to try to do maybe in order to find a way to stop it, they attempt to do a little backtracking and see where they can go. It may lead to a dead end because at some point people have died, but I think it would be, it it could be interesting. The only thing, the only caveat I have is that it must be called, 
it's a coming. <laughs> and then I just, <laughs> All I, right. I want that. You know, it follows, and then it follows too. It's a coming. I like it follows is this. It's still following. Whatever. I'm the queen of movie titles. Hello, <laughs> unicorn. <laughs> All right. Speaking of, let's get right into that. Uh, Dave's next uh, post there was Gremlin came up, and I assume. Uh... All right. I'm not sure who Gremlin is. Um, Gremlin seems to be a friend, a lady friend, possibly a wife. I don't know. Maybe a guy. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Dave, I don't know what you're into. <laughs> Dave says, Gremlin came up with the name for the unicorn-based horror movie, Zombie Corn Apocalypse. And I yep. felt it needed a mention. First of all, Zombie Corn, kind of a good idea unto itself. But <laughs> the, the fact that your uh, your sci-fi film, one would wager, Looney Corn, was somewhat you know, popular. People seem to enjoy uh, your your title. Well, thank you. <laughs> As you know, I put a, a lot of thought into that. It was in depth and 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 no, it and came ridiculous. right off the top of my head. Yeah, it was totally ridiculous. I, but I did get a surprising amount of feedback based on that, which I thought was a hoot in itself. Like I did not expect. I just got that just sort of flew by and. Uh, so I thought it was kind of funny that anyone even paid attention to that. But, Much uh, like most of reality, just breezing yeah. by. <laughs> just breezing by. Uh, I actually came up with an alternate title, um, but of course, in in usual fashion, I can't remember what it was, but I guarantee you, it was really good. Oh my God! It lo- <laughs> all right. If you Jamie Jenkins, you're missing Looney Corn title. <laughs> There might actually be a black hole. <laughs> Unicorn me. All right, all right. Let's let's keep this going. We got a few of these. Okay. Uh, uh, Willis uh, asks us, uh, what horror movie that was so hyped up by people and it was a letdown to you? My is the Babadook. Willis. Uh, right. Yeah, there we, we got we got several mistakes there. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, if we're going with hype uh, versus uh, my experience, I'm going to have to say you're next. I, while there are a lot, quite a few things about that film that I do like, I just wasn't over the moon for it, like a lot of people seem to be. So that was. That's probably mine. Uh, mine's not probably gonna be popular. <laughs> I'll say your next is actually a good choice, but I'll go one with. It'll probably get me put through the ringer, and I'll say, <laughs> shit, <laughs> Dawn O Four. Sorry, sorry, everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, horror world. It's it's all right. It's. I I wouldn't oh, even say you know it's bad. No, you want me it, to be equal in equal hate with you, then, Mike? Then I will say Evil Dead Two. Holy Different. shit! We'll you go way on back, but I do not like that movie at all. And um, that everybody in the horror world, I'm like the only person in in the genre that does not like that movie. I swear. Well, you just took the heat off of me. Thank <laughs> you. 
Yeah, that's fucked up, right? Bo, if Jamie loses her spot on the podcast, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, Bo knows this about me. It 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 actually almost broke up our friendship in the very beginning. All right, it it didn't, but he was real disappointed when he when he heard me say that. <laughs> yeah, I really was, and still am. That feeling doesn't go away. It's like how how do you not see the joy of this movie? Uh, yeah, that's a real shame. No, um, I don't know. I mean, he doesn't get my my how I don't love it. Yeah, I I don't know that I like most of the the films I've seen. I I feel like my expectations are fairly managed these days. I I don't get too disappointed too often. Um. Even with hype, like, you know, I enjoyed The Babadook and I enjoyed It Follows. Um, I thought both of those were, you know, worth the attention. I thought they were both really interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll get back to you. I thought maybe Amer- one for me, I guess, would be American Mary only because I thought the first 20 minutes was really good. <laughs> and then it got disappointing. I, you know, I still like that movie enough all the way through to, to get behind it. Joseph Petruziello, who confirmed that I pronounced his name right, by the way. Yes. Uh, he, he asked very wisely, almost sagely, Halloween reboot, why? Jamie. Is he referring to the, is he referring to the zombie? The, to the. Uh, no, that new one, Halloween Returns or whatever. Oh. Yeah. Is that what it's called, Halloween Returns, or is that not even an official name? I, I don't think that's even been officially titled yet. Oh. Uh, well, I mean, if it, broadly speaking, because they think it'll make money, <laughs> I mean, beyond that, there's people willing to do it for cheap, probably. <laughs> Horror-wise, why? I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have a why for that i don't think there is one it's a no <laughs> it's a no it's a I, no yeah, i don't know i agree with that it's a no um you know i i'm more interested to see what somebody other than rob zombie does with it quite frankly um it depends you know if they attached a really good director to it i could maybe get interested in that because those Rob Zombie Halloween movies had nothing for me. I agree with that. Yeah, and I mean, now, so it's like we have the original, and then we have Rob Zombie, who went in a totally different direction. So I guess if there is any intrigue here, it's, well, what does the third reincarnation do? Do they go back to what made the first one so good? Do they say, well, we got to go in our a totally different direction? Do they take bits of pieces? Both like so if there that would be the intrigue for me like if 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 say like a trailer came out tomorrow I I would be watching it wondering what are they going to do with the character of Michael Myers himself because to me out of all like the big slashers he's probably the one where uh it's kind of in to me it was he made the style in the original for him was integral to what made the movie creepy so i would want to see what are they doing with his character please not what rob zombie did but um yeah i I guess that would be where my interest would lie as far as curiosity wow that was a lot of talking about 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm surprised I got that much out of Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all were a little. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, you got anything on this one? No, it's no. It's a no. I don't. <laughs> Just the no. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I don't really see the point in going back to this well again. I okay. I, no, no, I'm with you. I, I, if they go back, simplify, make it like the original, get somebody, you know, with a, a vision for it to do it. Because that's the only way. I mean, you're going to make money on it either way. You're going to get a few million out of it on, on name alone. So uh, at least gamble. Stick somebody interesting on it. So uh, Joseph goes on to ask, uh, or, yeah, uh, just sort of uh, throw out, just started watching The Strain. What did you find folks think of it? It's good. It I wouldn't call it great, but, you know, I think with especially when it comes to TV shows, a lot of times the first seasons aren't going to be the best seasons. So to me, the job of the first season on shows is you establish the characters, you establish the background of why they're making it, and you hope by the end of the first season people are interested enough to see what's going to come next. And it accomplished that. I mean, there's certainly there's some faults, as I think Jane and Brian have said on Evil episodes, the Muppet-looking head vampire. Oh. Yeah, oh, it's really bad. So right. bad. I wish they had just left that out, because he was much scarier yeah. before they actually revealed his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but overall as a show, I would say the first season did its job to where I want to see what they're going to do next. So I would say, yeah, good. I, I agree completely with that. I think it's a hell of a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, apart from that whole head, which I just, it looks mother to me i can't ask that but apart from that i i really don't have any issues with it at all i think it's super fun yeah. and pretty close to the books you know yeah it's it's real dumb like there <laughs> like don't kid yourself that this is a good show really it's kind of a b movie done as a television series and on that level i enjoy it you know even with well, up to and including the fact that your main villain looks kind of stupid. And, yeah. yeah, you know, it's... I would say, oh, I, I would say a strength of the show, and I hope they get into more of this in the second season, is the uh, the old guy's backstory when they do, like, the flashbacks of him and not the head vampire, but kind of the, the head lackey. It's them. I think that's some of the most interesting stuff they do on the show, so I hope we get more of that. Yeah, and I, I kind of wish our main characters uh, would get a little more into it. You know, like a lot of season one uh, and, and even through um, season, well, no, season two is coming up, right? We've only got one. Is that right? Yeah, they've had like small little short teasers for season two. So it's coming, okay. I think, so, at the end of summer. Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time of like, okay, are they vampires? Are they not vampires? What's going on? And and the whole uh, season kind of teased the idea of like, well, things are breaking down, uh, including the most ridiculous idea of like breaking the internet somehow uh, with, <laughs> oh, geez, like the science in this is not great. But anyway, um, yeah, it's entertaining enough and there are moments that are kind of genuinely creative and, and scary. 
but there's also a lot of really dumb shit. Yeah, it it's one of those shows where like, okay, the first season was adequate, but they better show some action going forward. Yeah, and let's let's get rid of this hacker chick somehow, uh, please. <laughs> that character is terrible. It is an awful, awful kind of stereotype, maybe that just needs to go away. So, uh, all right, Lori Lapamardo, I've. Please tell me if I uh, have uh, incorrectly pronounced your name. Uh, but she asks, if you could have dinner with any horror icon, parenthetically, character, writer, director, etc., who would it be and why? Richard Matheson. Ooh, that's good. Why? Just Well, just because uh, he is one of my, if not my, favorite author. And uh, he just stressed across everything from film to television to novels to short stories. I would love to just have the opportunity to pick his brain about some favorite things. And maybe my number one question would be, why the fuck can't they just make the book? I am legend. How hard is that? Well, like, you don't want to ask him that because well, maybe be he like, would I know. Have, I <laughs> well, maybe he would have some insight on why they couldn't just make it. I don't know. But, um... I, they, I, that's mine. Yes. Mike? Off the top of my head, I would probably say Greg Nicaro. I've always found the guys who make the gags and special effects, the practical effects, fascinating. Pick their brain. I mean, I know by now on the internet, you can always research a lot of their backstories, how they got into it, you know, and all that, but I would still think it'd be cool to, uh, sit down, talk to them, get into that, see uh, kind of their highs and lows, their opinions on how the business is changing, all that kind of stuff. I mean, we had the uh, thing about Rick Baker retiring because of the business climate changing. So I wouldn't mind uh, hearing what Greg Nicotero had to say on all that sure. as well. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, I'd probably go H.P. Lovecraft uh, only to ask uh, – you know, poor Howard, like, hey, the crazy shit that you're afraid of writing and publishing, what is that? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you've come up with some batshit stuff and cop to it. What is the stuff that you're afraid to tell people about? That'd be a good question. Right? I've thought about this, and I bet that would be horrifying. So, yeah, that's fine. And, uh... <laughs> That's, wow, we're all pretty smart. Yeah. We all went, yeah. Writers <laughs> and creators. None of us went for the boobies yeah. or anything. <laughs> oh, wait, we could do boobies on this? <laughs> well, I mean, like, you could... Adrian Barbeau, Circa the Fog. Yeah. Linnea Quigley, Silent Night, Deadly Night, if you wanted to. I mean, if that were your thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, this isn't an official question, but, yeah, that's that's a fine answer. Um <laughs> All right, so uh, that's SDTP. Thank you so, so much for uh, posting the questions, and, and please continue to do so. Uh, and I got one quick, one thing real quick. All right. I haven't done this in a long time, and we do have some new family members that I just want to give a shout-out to. Like, I want to officially welcome a couple people to the Devour family who have been contributing quite a bit lately, and uh, I you know, want to give them their welcome. Uh, one of those is Rob Doyle, who has been – Talking here and there lately, and um, uh, welcome, welcome, Rob. And then, of course, Joseph, who has, we've heard him a lot. 
<laughs> with his questions and this episode and last episode he asked that amazing chili bean question or chili additions que- yeah. noodles or rice whatever, right a, you know, a that question one. that has no answer because it's a trick question the answer is <laughs> neither exactly exactly and also a nice warm welcome to aj smith so um who has been uh tweeting about how right i am and and i always welcome that so <laughs> welcome guys Everyone knows you put an over easy egg on top of your chili. Uh, I don't, what a, I don't even. <laughs> oh, come on. Break that yolk right over the chili. Okay, now you're talking. Egg yolk. <laughs> that's delicious. <laughs> All right. I earned okay. my spot back. I was about to get kicked off. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of horrifying things in the kitchen, see that segue? Uh, our next film is Rec 4. And we will talk about it right after this. It came from the instant cue. Welcome back. Uh, the Our watch instantly selection this week is Rec 4 Apocalypse. The final entry, uh, one assumes, into the Rec series. A personal favorite, oh mine, and uh, continuing the tradition of laziness about synopses, here is the IMDb synopsis. Television reporter Angela is rescued from the building and taken to an oil tanker to be examined. However, it is unknown whether it is her who is carrying the seed of the mysterious demonic virus. That may be the worst synopsis we've ever read (laughs) on Devour the Podcast. And it stars uh, Manuela Velasco as Angela Vidal. Cute as a button. Absolutely. She is the living embodiment of a Japanese anime person. Paco Manzanedo as Guzman. Hector Colebe as Dr. Ricarte. Ismael Fricci as Nick. Crispulo Quebasas as Lucas. And Mariano Venancio as Capitan Ortega. That's as far as I'm going. Uh, so, Jamie, what about uh, Rec 4 Apocalypse? Well, first off, I would like to say that I was happy to see Angela come back because she is adorable and I love her. So I thought that that was, it was a good thing to kind of bring it back around. But then, to me, it felt like wreck on a boat. And um, picture my picture this in a Judd Nelson voice as I say, but Dad, I have this zombie apocalypse to do. That's okay. You can do it on boat. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't that funny, was no, it? Okay, well, I, I mean, I feel like I would be laughing over the audience. <laughs> um, I guess, and the the whole point of that being that I just. I, I didn't really feel like there was a – I didn't feel like in the end we really got a whole lot of new stuff here. Uh, there was some good gore. It There were times when it's uh, it's kind of fast-moving and interesting. But then, you know, you've got that whole boat motor thing that I don't think ever comes to – I don't even know if that would work. Because if you run a boat motor out of the water, it will – like there's 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 you just you can't really do that. So those ideas it might be. I really don't think it would work. Um, I'm sure someone out 
or some boat savvier person is going to be like, oh, but if you did this and blah blah blah, you know. Yeah, our but, huge boating audience. <laughs> <came in laughs> on so boating while I think that was a really neat thing to to watch, I don't know exactly how practical it would be, but you know, it, it was kind of fun. I don't hate this movie by any stretch of the imagination. I think it was fun. I just don't think that it did anything to add too much to what we already had. I uh, as much as I love the first one, I feel like this is sort of just a them trying to recapture maybe the feeling that you got from the first one, but in a different location. And I don't know if it was completely successful at that. Okay. Two words. Uh, zombie monkeys. Mike, <laughs> what did you think of Rick for Apocalypse? And get it right this time. So this was actually a rewatch for me. We we discussed on even episodes. I can't remember if we actually did like an official review or just kind of it was like what we watched kind of thing, but uh, I wasn't real happy with it the first time I saw it. Uh, the opening was okay when they're like in the building and they end up doing what they do. I don't want to say it too much, but uh, and then get to the boat, and it's like, this isn't very Wreck-like. Just for reference, I was lukewarm on Wreck 3. You know, the first one, absolutely love it. Second I think it's solid three. I was lukewarm on. So going into this, I was like, the trailer kind of gave off the feeling that they were going back to, you know, what the first couple had to offer. But then as the movie gets into it, like, no, not really. And so the second time watching it going in, I kind of, you know, was prepared for that. So I didn't, I wasn't as upset with it this time around, but it definitely, I would say if you're a huge fan of Wreck for all the reasons of, you know, the style, the, the, uh, I guess the, the scares, the atmosphere, you're not going to get that with this one. Much like three was somewhat different. This one's even more in that direction. But I mean, I, I, like I said, I wasn't as upset. I looked at it more as like a generic horror movie with some attachment to the Wreck series. You know, they change a lot of the background and origin of what's behind everything, which I wasn't too happy about. I didn't think they were going to do that with this director because well, it wasn't at the first two the two directors. The third one was one of them, and then the fourth one was the other. I apologize for not knowing the names. But uh, there was, you know, there were some gags, which you should fully expect there's going to be some gore. The gore was fine. Nothing wrong with that, but you know what made the first one really special. It's just really absent with this one, and it's kind of gone from being something that I would really put up on a pedestal to generic. And it's sad to say that this is how the series is probably going to go out, but it's there streaming now. So I would say if you, I'd say if you were happy with the third one, you might not be as you know as uh disappointed with this one but you know that's gonna be up to the individual viewer and how they have felt the series has progressed up through the third one so i would say be prepared to see more of that in this one than you got from the first two and i wasn't disappointed with this necessarily except that 
I was hoping for more feel that I got from the first one, which I think is genuinely scary as hell. And this one seemed not as, it didn't really, I didn't really get that, uh, but I did have fun, you know, with it. And, but I was just kind of hoping for more of – I wanted to be scared again like I was the first time. And I kind of hoped with bringing uh, some of the original cast from the first film back, I was hoping mm-hmm. that, that they, maybe they would be going in that direction. And well, it didn't yeah, really. So I still think it was a good time. It just wasn't, I, you know, scary. And I also appreciate what they were going for in the first one as far as the origin. It felt somewhat unique. And then by the time we get to this one, it's just been totally changed to to – what it is you know it's it's totally different we kind of got robbed of like a proper progression in what they originally seemed to be ending i don't know why they went from it if they couldn't just if they couldn't think of a good way to uh carry that out and so they're like oh let's just change it to this but i was disappointed in that explanation too yeah it's it's kind of a bummer of a movie in that uh you know rick one is amazing and I, I think it's tough to expect that anything's going to live up to that moving forward, but you hope it's good. And Wreck 2 is kind of that, you know. It's like, well, it's not Wreck, but it's all right. You know, it does most of the things right. Um, and then, you know, Wreck 3 is a totally different thing, but that's okay because it felt like a totally different thing. And then this one is sort of this weird blend of initially found footage transitioning into a more narrative kind of visual storytelling. And, but it's still sort of wreck, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not as interesting. It's not as frantic. But this movie also has crazy zombie angrier monkeys <laughs> which is pretty terrific well and that's why i think like saying for me that it was being a rewatch i was able going into it to resign myself right up right up front like okay i i remember this isn't going to be wreck and i could resign myself to say this is what it is and let me just look at it as kind of uh some wreck painting wreck origins in here but it's not that kind of movie. So I, this, this watch through, I was more like, okay, it is what it is. It's not, I I wouldn't even, I don't want to call it a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. I just think it's a lot more generic. They're taking some, but some of the, uh, origins and storyline, uh, that have carried over through the rec series and continuing them. But it just is, it comes out, the final product just comes out as kind of a generic ending and that's what is most disappointing is you saw potential there in the first one and like i think we've all said the second one basically if we would have got a wreck two uh instead of this i would have been perfectly satisfied i don't expect them to ever make a a wreck one again that's just it is what it is it's great but if we could have at least got like a wreck two level movie here i would have been a lot more satisfied yeah i agree i agree um all right Anyone else have anything to add before we judge this film appropriately? It's open-ended. <laughs> Don't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. Jamie? <laughs> Quarantine 3, coming your way. 
<laughs> Man, quarantine two is real rough. Anyway, and that is that is a rough ride. It yikes. I think if you like this series, and it's definitely worth watching. I do, and like I said, I do find it enjoyable, especially on a second watch. Being able to sort of resign myself to what was going to be, what wasn't, and you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's not it's not the first one. Nothing will ever be the first one, but I I still think it's fun. All right, uh, let's rate it, Jamie. I'm gonna just I, I think I would land this one as a three. You know, I like it. All right, you know, I, uh, Mike. Uh, a one to five star rating. Half stars are allowed. Okay. So because half stars allowed, I'll give it a two and a half. I would say if you've watched the first three and you want to see how it concludes, um, check it out. But if you haven't seen the rest of the series, especially the first one, don't let this be your first wreck experience. Definitely All right. don't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> accurate. That. Uh. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. I I think this is I think it's if you're if you've watched 1 and 2 in particular, it's worth seeing how this wraps up kinda. And so, yeah, 3 stars. We have not selected the film for next week, so <laughs> again, chaos reigns. Uh but we will figure it out and and have a movie, I'm sure. Uh, or not. Maybe we'll just do bingo, which would also be entertaining for the <laughs> listeners. Well, we could talk about Smokey and the Bandit some more because Casey Bates will would be totally happy with that. Yeah. What was it? It was it uh, real to read. Uh, read to real. Read to real. real. Better. And uh, yeah, and you promised him five percent or more content, which is why I had to shoehorn that in there because we almost got to the end of the show without mentioning it. And yeah. <laughs> well, we still have one movie to go, and I was going to do my. Uh, comparison to our next film with the life and times of Jerry Reed. But, you know, we'll, you've already kind of blown our quota, so I'll do it next week. Um, speaking of, our next film is the uh, sort of much talked about, strangely, I've heard a lot about this movie, um, called We Are Still Here, uh, starring uh, Barbara Crampton. And, uh, yeah, so that's the movie we're talking about next, and we will be right back. And now, our feature presentation. The, the realtor told you all about the Dagmars, huh? Yes, that was the family who first lived here, right? We had heard it was a funeral parlor around the turn of the century. Oh. Don't say. Old Dagmar had been running the bodies and burying empty coffins. Some even said he was selling to the Orientals over in Boston, turning them into chop suey. Wasn't long after that that the, uh, the trouble began. Fight it. 
just accept it. You stay, you satisfy the darkness. You guys have moved in to one weird fucking town. Welcome back to Devour the Podcast. Uh, this is our feature film, a film entitled We Are Still Here from this year. Uh, the official IMDb synopsis is, In the cold, wintry fields of New England, a lonely old house wakes up every 30 years and demands a sacrifice. Uh, this is written and directed, or co-written and directed, by Ted Gehagen. Um, it's a very difficult name to pronounce, is what I'm getting at. I assume it's Gyojigen, maybe? I don't know. But uh, it stars Barbara Crampton, uh, genre favorite, uh, as Anne Sacchetti, uh, and Andrew Sinsenig as Paul Sacchetti, Lisa Marie as Mae Lewis, who has weird lips in this film, <laughs> um, and Larry Fessenden, uh, as Jacob Lewis, and then some other people, and some fiery ghosts. Uh, Mike. <laughs> yes. How how did you feel about We Are Still Here, a ghost story that has fiery ghosts? <laughs> well, with all, you know, with the modern era being so used to James Wan ghost movies, um... If you take that formula somewhat, strip down all the glossiness, all the comedy, all probably the extra stuff from side characters that you don't need, and it's like a kind of straightforward, just haunted house story with, I guess, its own kind of little twist on the backstory, you have We Are Still Here. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty straightforward story there's not much extra that's not needed uh it's like i said stripped down i thought everyone was good in it there's part because the reason i'm saying that is because there'll be certain characters in this like uh you have the paranormal couple and where you're used in modern moves we're used to like seeing those type of characters go way over the top with the comedy there's parts where you think that's going to happen in this movie where they they might do something that gets a chuckle, but they kind of reel it in pretty quick and it stays, you know, moving forward. Yeah, it, it, it's a fairly serious-minded film. Exactly, and you you don't have a lot of time wasted on you know all those extra dimensions to every character. It's like we arrive at the house. We find out something's up fairly soon. More stuff happens. You get the backstory. You get your conclusion. Some people that's going to work for. I, I am one of them that, that that style works for. I don't need the extra stuff. Not to say it's always bad to have it, but in this case, I thought it was a solid movie. I I I, I I'm not prepared to say it's great. You know, some of the stuff I've heard from people who have seen it already it's getting i would say mostly what i've heard is lots of praise a lot of lot of enthusiasm it seemed for yeah. this movie 
for sure. I think this is one of those ones that's ripe to get backlash, though, because while I think it is solid, I, I'm reading some stuff. And it's like, let's reel it back on some of the hyperbole I'm reading. Um, it, it, it's good. I, I did enjoy it, um, but I would fall short, generally speaking, of calling it great. But I definitely think it's worth seeing. I think it's a different way to make – well, I won't say different because it's not like this style has never been done or anything. But it's definitely – if you compared it to what you're seeing in theaters now, it's definitely a different style of filmmaking than you know what we're seeing in these kind of well, over the Well, I would argue it's still old school filmmaking. Like it follows and – um, yeah, yeah, you, you, you know, that's a very Carpenter esque film. Mm-hmm. And this is more the beyond. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's kind of gory in, in a surprising way. Uh, I found, like, I wasn't expecting to see some oh, of the yeah. gore I saw in this movie, for sure. I mean, I don't know that it's on the level of people vomiting up their intestines, but no, it's but not. Exactly. Yeah, when they get to the fire girl shredding the dude on the stairs. Right, it's not far off. And it, you know, it's kind of a ham-fisted story about, like, here, it's kind of the fog, right? It's the ancestors of this town done something wrong. And, you know, these ghosts are, are seeking vengeance. There's a twist on that for sure. I'm not spoiling anything by saying that, but... um. It's it's that kind of movie. It, it it's it's got a weird kind of vibe to it because it almost feels at times like they're going for a like the changeling level seriousness with the haunting, and then something totally gory will happen, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh okay, I forgot what movie I was in for a second. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think um, when we get the because uh, I, I would say yeah it's it's old school to, it's somewhat of a slow burn even though you get some stuff going on enough to kind of keep your appetite wet and then the uh, the climax when the whole town is coming to do what they're coming to do and things start getting rapid fire like holy shit <laughs> like here we go yeah, yeah. Um, it gets kind of crazy in the last what fifteen twenty minutes of that movie it gets pretty nuts exactly so. Yeah, like I said, it's good. I, I wouldn't call it great, but it's it's enjoyable. I'll, I'll say that. Well, um, hmm, I got I got a whole lot of problems <laughs> with this movie. Preach it. A, a whole lot, and none none of that being I, I I one thing I do want to mention is that you mentioned it being a slow burn. I totally agree with that at least in the beginning i like the vibe that we got i like the way it felt um toward the beginning of this i loved main thing i loved is seeing barbara crampton in the lead role again with with all this screen time i want more of that i want more of her i just wish it was in a better constructed film i have serious issues with the construction of this film one of those being that um we have a character who is just dave exposition and this old guy who comes popping by, I mean, there's just things that these characters do in this film that just don't make any sense whatsoever. If, and a lot of this would be going into spoiler territory, so I have to be very careful 
what I say, but basically every time he's on screen, he just delivers a giant exposition dump. It's clunky, it's clumsy, and there are much better ways to convey to us, as well as to the other characters, what's going on without just doing it stumbly the way he does, where he just kind of vomits it uh, out, and it really just is, it it sort of pulled me out, because it was kind of like, we don't know how else to say this, so here you go. And Apart from that, I think that by the time we get to the end, there are things that the townspeople were doing that I don't think these townspeople, considering the history of this town and considering the history of this house and all the stuff that's been going on, I don't see these people doing it exactly the way that they did. I don't see them making some of the the decisions that they did. I think overall the story has a nice element. Like the, The core element, I think, is a really good idea. But I think we have got too many things going on here with the, the the initial problem that we have with this area. And then we sort of introduce this secondary thing that later on Dave Exposition has this whole conversation with, which is just silly. Um, I wanted to like it. I really did. But and I did in the beginning. But then it just got really clumsy to me. I just felt like. I felt like that while they're telling this story, they don't really know how to tell this story. So they just stumbled all over the place and just threw things at you. And and I, I was disappointed by that because I liked that it was almost Ty Westian for a while there with the way that it was building. And, and when we first get to the house and we meet the family and, and I was enjoying every bit of that. Um, another thing that really stuck out to me was the, the production designer here just didn't seem to really want to commit. I mean, this was supposed to be 1979. There are some things that say, yes, this is 1979. And then uh, there are other things that they just didn't seem to want to commit to as far as like time period. I never really felt like, uh, yes, even though the furniture is old and even though we saw a, a TV commercial that was clearly of the time. Time uh, briefly while they were watching TV. Uh, there were things that, and, and some like the, the dress, and some of it said, "Yes, this is 1979." I never really got the feel. I never really felt like it was it was solidly set in this time period. It felt modern to me, even with the absence of all the modern con- modern conveniences and other like electronic doodads that we have, which made me ponder why. Why is it necessary for it to be in this time? Well, I um, think at a, at a certain point, the story kind of flirts with this idea of patriarchy, right? Like, you know, um, Barbara Crampton's husband doesn't want a woman driving his car. Oh, and right. Then, I mean, and when, then you have when, Dave Exposition. <laughs> his wife is this, you know, kind of belittled woman who is reaching out to help and that kind of thing. And, you know, th- like, it seems like the movie's going to do something with that. But I don't... But I don't feel that it ever does. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt the same way. I was like... You, it, it seems like you're making a lot of uh, a lot of hay off this. So how does this pay off? And I when the psychic couple comes driving up and the woman is driving and he's like she's driving and then the Barbara Crampton character goes yeah well you know it's progressive right you know? right it's like it, it's like they took every opportunity to try to nail it into you that there was something here. But I never felt the payoff of that. I never felt why that was important. Right. Did you just feel like you had to mention it? 
that like oh yeah it was kind of a weird sexist time you know I mean, instead that, of I making that a, if, i don't yeah it, it's weird i don't know if that was an attempt to once again drill home what the time period was because at <laughs> at times, at times, I was like, "Are we sure this is supposed to be?" Oh, because when they first get to the house, I hadn't realized yet what the time period was. And then we see them watching TV, and they're watching a commercial. And I was like, "What the hell are they watching?" That there's a commercial from the '70s, and he's like, "I think it's in the '70s." And I'm like, "Oh, it is." I mean, because the wall treatment that was, and this is a very nitpicky thing, I realize this. But to me, if you're going to attempt to create a world, then you really need to attempt to create a world. And there was a wall treatment that was on in one of the rooms that no one was doing in the 70s. And this was this was something that, that happened, like, in the 90s, like the late 90s, early 2000s. Wow, that is crazy talk. Nobody it, cares I, about wall treatments. I know, well, it sticks <laughs> out to me. It, I mean, it, it, it does. This is the kind of, these are the kind of things I notice. And these are the kind of things that confuse me about when you're trying to attempt to place something. So because I had seen that and it was completely modern in comparison, I was like, are, why are they in the seventies? He's like, cause it's supposed to be in the seventies. I'm like, oh, it is. And then later on when he's like, oh, she's driving. And then like, oh, well, the, you know, and I was like, oh, okay. So I guess that's their attempt to try to make sure that we know that this is the time period yet i just didn't feel like there was a, it did anything i mean it, it kind of teased you that it might be there might be something interesting there i never got that i mean i never got that why that was interesting you know um as far as like the whole patriarchal thing goes i just yeah never did. now i agree with you except about the wall treatments. Those were spot on. <laughs> that was just that's just an illust- that's just to illustrate why I was confused because there were all these elements that were screaming that it should that it was in the it was in the seventies, yet there was this one thing that kind of stuck out to me that confused me because J- I mean, hell, maybe they just had old furniture. Maybe it was just an old I mean, I don't know. Do you um, have a top ten list of wall treatments in horror movies? <laughs> Now, I realize how that sounds. Trust me, I know, I know, but... Uh, yeah, it's like I'm you just... and the the one other interior designer <laughs> who is listening to this podcast, knock on wood. <laughs> back me up. Somebody back me up. Right, right. Um. Like, please, please, I want to know if I'm, if, if I'm wrong here. That people are like, you're, no, 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 that, the wall treatments ruined that movie. That being said, it was a I wall- did enjoy the I did enjoy the gore because I I too was surprised by the amount of gore that we got and but in a good way like I was like oh well the the gore is good but I just really have like I uh, I mean do you see what I mean about this about Dave I mean this character all he did was regurgitate things to people one to people that already knew it and there was no reason for him to tell us except audience. And or him to tell her, um, speaking of the barmaid, there was no reason for him to recount what was going on here in this town. Right. Any, anytime you, yeah, anytime you hear a character say, like, you know as well as I do, a hundred years ago, it's uh, like, exactly. oh, knock it off. You okay. need to shut up. Exactly. And, and that, to me, is a very clumsy way to get something across when, fuck, that's why people in movies use microfiche machines. That's why they go to the library, which, by the way, if they had inserted a microfiche segment into this film rather than doing the newspaper articles at the end to there was sort of one? attempt to wrap everything up, I would have loved it. 
No. <laughs> but I love microfiche. But um, and that also would have fit with the time period. But you know, whatever. Um, I, I just it really bothers me when a when a screenwriter decides that the best way to get a point across is to have someone just bleh, and uh, especially to people who already know it. And it, it reminds me of a soap opera. You know how people always recount things in soap operas. <laughs> right, like they can't say remember in on episode 132. Uh, right. <laughs> That'd be strictly for the benefit of the audience and it's clear and it's obvious. I think it's lazy. And uh, and I just didn't like that. I mean, it felt like every single time he was on screen, that's exactly what he was doing. And I, oh, it just bothered me so much because I think there were much more interesting ways to do it. I think it at the, at the heart of it, it was a decent story. I just don't think that it was told with a whole lot of competence. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree, Jamie. I think I probably liked it more than you did. But probably not by much. I, I kind of had the same problems. I thought, in particular, the um, son and daughter of the hippie couple were the <laughs> most, like, literally disposable characters I've seen in a movie in some time. Yeah, and really, and in the end, their being there made no... There, It was completely pointless. Right, like when... <laughs> again, spoilers... Uh, when... Do you want to hit the spoiler button on... I yeah, mean, let's, you... let's hit the spoiler button right nope. here. Okay. And let's, Go. let's Wait, talk about we, some shit. We haven't already been spoiling it with the wall treatments. <laughs> that told a lot. Yeah, 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 you're right. Uh, I'll look at it. I'll look at the edit. Alright, so spoilers. Beep, beep, beep. Warning, the following review contains spoilers. So... The fact that, all right, so the, the hippie couple's kids are like son and girlfriend die. And when the mother finds out, she has, you know, Lisa Marie has a freak out. But it is the most like low key freak out for my son and his girlfriend are now doomed to eternity to some sort of burning damnation. And I was like, oh man, some of the performances in this film are not very good. And surprisingly, Larry Fessenden isn't on that list for me. Uh, I agree with that completely. <laughs> Even the surprisingly part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, it's like, oh, this part is kind of perfect for him. Yes. But, yeah, alright. Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I think it... It's interesting that a movie that starts for me, like I mentioned before, like the change lane, like with the picture falling over and that kind of thing, that it was like, oh, this is kind of a classic ghost story. I'm down for this. And then all of a sudden, like somebody's getting jabbed through the chest with a fire hand. <laughs> and I was like, the fuck is happening in this movie? Because yeah, it totally doesn't seem like something like that's about to happen. Right, and then it gets worse. Like, Larry Fessenden is jabbing himself in the face with a fire poker, and somebody's getting ripped in half. And I was like... You got that head squish. Yeah, yeah, it, which was good. Like, all the effects in the movie are good. Oh, they are, yeah. But, I, yeah, it's kind of head-scratching. Like I say, it's like a Fulci movie. 
where all of a sudden, like, shit gets bloody. Like, things get real. And you're like, what? I thought, okay, this isn't the movie I thought it was, but you kind of sprung it on me. Yeah. 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 I was going to say, like, when when I'm first watching it, I'm thinking they're almost going like a House of the Devil route where you're not going to get much. Right. Less is more. Yeah. Not going to get much. You're going to get maybe little hints, and then we're going to get something at the end that they kind of pull the curtain back and say, here. But this movie has a tendency to every 10 minutes or so throw in something that just makes you, what? <laughs> like, they just did, I just saw what happened. So, yeah, that was an interesting. All right. Uh, and and since we're spoiling, let's talk about the ending of this fucking movie. All right. Okay. All right. So this, like. Bobby? Oh, you mean the, the very ending. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about the last few shots of this movie where you have the, like, oh, work, like, me and the ghosts are kind of cool. Um, yeah. And then you hear the voice, and Barbara Crampton goes off screen, and then the father goes to the top of the stairs at the uh, basement where most of the paranormal activity has been going on for the early portion of the film. Um, and he does this, what, what, like, he actually says, like, hey, Bobby. He's like, hey, Bobby, yeah. I don't. And, and it goes black. Like, that's what you end on. And you're like, oh, fuck you. Where, where did you earn that? That, that is exactly what Brian said when we're watching it. He's just like, well, fuck you. And I agree with that. And so I guess from that, we are supposed to believe that the reason this – all right, let's back up here. All right, years ago, they dug up this thing and woke this darkness, which suddenly – first of all, at one point, Dave Exposition says, 30 years like clockwork. And then later in the movie, he says, every 30 years or so. I'm like, well, which is it? Is it like clockwork or is it every 30 years or so? Um, wakes up and they need to be fed. And the conversation I was referring to that he had with the uh, was one that was the conversation he had with the ghost of Dagmar, where the burnt ghost, where he's telling him, oh, thank goodness that you had all that fear or anger or whatever it was that kept you around, because that made the future sacrifices much easier. And we appreciate that. Yeah, fuck you. Okay, <laughs> fuck you for that, because no one would, one, have that conversation. And two, the only reason he had that conversation is to attempt to impart something on us that you feel you haven't been able to impart to us via t- storytelling, which I think is absolutely true. I mean, I think that if you – we wouldn't have needed him to say the stuff that he said, uh, like when he's recounting the whole thing to the barmaid at the bar. And why in the hell did he shoot the, the blow off the right. poor waitress's head just because she answered the door. You couldn't go in another room and talk. You had to blow her head off. I right, didn't like, even... Hey, is your boss <laughs> yeah. around? Can I talk to her in private, please? Yes. That requires that. gunplay. And then she's like, oh, I wouldn't have sent the new girl to the door if I'd known it was you. What? Is this a normal thing? You expect this guy to come in here and blow people's heads off? I, I didn't get that at all. I really didn't get it. I didn't get the right. motivation. 
I didn't get the motivation for Dave and his wife showing up at their house to begin with so that he can tell them the history of this house. If you want this family to stay in this house so that they can be the next sacrifice that this house needs in order to leave your town alone, you're not going to go telling him the fucking bloody history of this house, which would then to a normal person leave them lead them like running Scooby-Doo style away from the house. You're not going to tell them all of the darkness. You're going to not say a word. Because you want them to stay. Because you want them to die. So why would you tell them anything? I, I didn't get that at all. I don't yeah. think that was. I don't think that's anything that any character in this movie should have done. In the end, when the entire town's when the entire town comes converging on this house, I don't see any of those people setting foot in this house because they know exactly what goes on in this house. They know what this is all about. This is their town. They are completely aware of everything and how scary it is, and the fact that Dagmar's family's ghosts are still there they're not going to go traipsing into this house because the girl said earlier dagmar would kill god himself if he walked into that house that entire town is terrified of this house they're not going to go in there and then but then when they do go in there and then people start dying they're still just walking around looking for them like looking for barbara crampton and husband yeah, going, wandering oh, around man. like they're in the uh the fog and silver bullet where yes. it's just people standing around in the mist while a werewolf is among them. <laughs> and I'm like, why aren't you people running? Why aren't you getting out of this house? Finally, you see three people running off, you know, after about a dozen of them have been killed in very bloody ways. And I'm like, none of this would happen. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I think it boils down to character motivation. I don't think any of these motivations made any sense. And was it ever explained how, because the one chick, was it the psychic's daughter, how the ghost, was it the ghost girl, the little girl, or she like teleports to the car to kill her, so it's not confined to just the house. So it's like, well, why don't they, if they don't need to kill people in the house. Well, yeah, it said that if they don't get the proper sacrifice, then the evil spreads. So maybe it, like, gets a whiff of you or something, and if you're reasonably close geographically, they're like, okay, well, obviously we would kill them because they're the nearest to us. But the evil spreads, but that wasn't that Dagmar's, part of Dagmar's family? All right, first of all, every time you say Dagmar, I think of Amanda Plummer from Joe versus the Volcano. <laughs> I think of a Dagwood sandwich. <laughs> Denny's or something. <laughs> but, yeah. so in Dagmar, clearly not a Dagwood. Uh, but, but so Dagmar is... That been more palatable. So, all right, but, all right, so Dagmar's whole thing is we were sacrificed for this evil thing, so we're going to kill everyone? Yeah. We're real pissed off. Unless you give us someone else to kill instead of you. Now, why didn't, why hasn't every other sacrifice, all the families every, every 30 years, why haven't, why aren't there more people? And more dead people in this house. Are the Dagmar family the only ones that were angry enough? Right, and how many, how many does it take? Because you killed uh, the all right, uh, hippie chick son, his girlfriend, mm-hmm. then... Uh, About a townsfolk. Well, no, no, no. Before <laughs> you get to that, Larry Fessenden. Oh, yeah. Oh, then the, the wife. Mm-hmm. So that's 
four at that point. Like, what's the body count where they're like, okay, we're cool, CN30. Exactly. Because then you have all the townspeople, which, I mean, like, before it was like, well, you know, a family went missing. It needs a family. To me, a family is four people max. Hmm. Anything over six, and you've got a molester amongst them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need extended family. <laughs> right. I'm Start bringing in cousins and uncles, y'all. We don't have enough. Um. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what I was thinking, too. And then apparently they did reach the magic number, though, because now they're okay. Yeah, I don't know the rules of this movie. I know that and you need a family, but how many is a family? Like, is it just a family? Is it blood relatives? How far back do you got to go? Do we believe, or we, I guess the point is the reason that Barbara Crampton and husband did not get killed was because of Bobby? Because they brought Bobby's spirit with him and he kept them, he kept them safe? Right, that, that, that because he was like, hey, you're a ghost, I'm a ghost, we're yeah, cool, these, these are my, my parents. parents. See, right. Like, yeah. if the ghost, the ghost. I don't buy that for a second. Yeah, well, because then you get that scene at the end where, is he actually a, a priest or just kind of the town leader? I'm not sure if he was actually a preacher or not. When he's kind of explaining, like, it's he almost like. Yeah, like, well, he's almost saying, they're almost making it look like he has control over the demon ghost. Like, hey, we give you, we give you the, the sacrifices and you don't kill. But then he goes and kills him anyway. Right. I'm like, well, why didn't you do that before? Like, yeah. if that's, if that's really what you wanted to do in the first place, didn't you have the power to do that? Well, that, and that's something else that, um, we brought up. And it was like, if these people are, if these ghosts are so angry, why didn't they, why haven't they killed like, Dave and anybody else in this town? The people who actually have done they're them angry. wrong before yeah, now. They're, they're angry and self aware or aware right? of the situation. So <laughs> this killing, how does killing innocent people satisfy their hunger? What if, what if a lesbian couple had moved in, but they had an adopted daughter? Is that a family? Do the ghosts count that? Do, I guess do it depends I, on how progressive these ghosts are. And since um, right, what if they're like, this is an abomination? We spread out to the town and kill everyone. Do household <laughs> pets get included? <laughs> oh, I hope not. That's just <laughs> yeah. What if you have like a best friend that's the uncle to your kids, kind of thing? But it's not a blood relation. Yeah. What if it's a godfather or godmother? Right. I, I again. Give me some rules. I don't understand what these ghosts want. The meal is chef's choice this night because uh, I guess they decide. <clears throat> yeah, they got kind of fast and loose with exactly what. Well, the, it, I, I guess, guess the ghosts went rogue, but <laughs> I guess it would have made more sense. Go if... rogue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, oh, don't forget. they. Well, they attempted to kill but didn't kill the electrician. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, But not the family who was actually staying there. And I guess that's just because of Bobby, which to me is just ridiculous. So do you think they, their sons are racist then? <laughs> Where he was like, look, don't hit my family. Oh, the electrician. I mean, I'm not saying it's cool. I'm just saying if you do it, I'm not going to be mad. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it might have made more sense or been a tighter story if, like, say you had, like, the town's hierarchy and – they were maybe the descendants of the people who did that to the family. And they, so there's only a small amount of people in the town that know what's going on. And they actually have to like 
choose people from the town itself as a sacrifice. Wouldn't that, that then be the fog? Yeah. Right, I, yeah. At that point, it's the fog, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know. And then one more example of the, to me, just the real, the laziness involved in, in this, and then attempting to tell this story is the newspaper clippings at the end. Where it's just like, oh, by the way, all the stuff that you didn't get uh, throughout the movie that you just watched, this is it. Only then, it really didn't help at all. I mean, it's still, by the time after after I read the newspaper clippings, I was still going, what? <laughs> I just, there were so many things that just didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's like if the movie, uh, or if the book It and any generic ghost film kind of got swirled into a blender and then you put in Larry Fessenden <laughs> and ha- and have him be ridiculous for, you know, 20 minutes of screen time. It's kind of that movie. Um, it, you know, I don't hate it though. I, do, I, I don't think it's an awful movie. I think it's a movie with a lot of problems, but I got to admit, you know, I felt like it moved at a clip. I think it looks real nice. I think the uh, the cinematography is quite good. Um, I, I'll agree with that. You know, uh, Barbara Crampton's fine in it. You know, they're like I said, Larry Fessenden is strangely delightful in the movie, hmm. um, and there's a really good gag with him uh, and the candles and the seance. Like I'm, I'm sure you remember the joke, but uh, I thought that was that was very funny. Um, yeah, you know. Just to kick it off, I'll say I will give this movie a kind of a generous, I suppose, B minus. I think it's okay. I think it, like I said, it, it kind of reminds me of the Beyond, and not in a, a bad way. You know, I'm I'm kind of okay with a ghost movie being super gory at times, um, and you know they're. Some of it's real dumb and doesn't make a lot of sense, but I was kind of with it anyway. Just like I am with something like The Beyond, where those stories are real dumb and don't make a lot of sense. Uh, Mike, how do you respond to that? Um, I will actually agree with you. B minus. It's despite if everyone listened to the spoiler section, it would probably give off <laughs> the <laughs> the reaction that we disliked it more than we probably did yeah yeah at least in our case maybe jamie did actually dislike it more than the two of us but like i said it's it's good i would say wait for it to become available uh maybe on you know whatever streaming service um enjoyable lots of holes in it stripped down short running time so i'd say check it out b minus solid not great Jimmy J. Jenkins. Okay, um, I just seriously have way too many problems with this, with just the basic storytelling here, and I, I think I'm being generous by giving it a C minus. As much as I enjoyed the front end of this movie, by the time we got to them attempting to impart what was actually going on, I think it was a fail. I, I just think it just did not come across the, the way that it it could have. And there were too many lazy techniques involved here, which just seriously was a downer for me. What is this, like a $7 rental on Amazon? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't do that. 
<laughs> don't, don't don't do that. I I would I would I would wait. But um I think what we had here at the core was something that could have been really good and I just think it was a miss sadly. So um there were some good things about it one of them being the gore and I think the effects were pretty good and I think the film overall looked good but um to me the the problems are just just in the basic storytelling te- techniques it just was too flawed. All right. Well, there you have it. That is we are still here which is still in theaters. That kind of feels like it's almost wordplay. Um, at any rate, we will be right back to close out the show. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host, Duncan McLeish, and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic, old-school horror favourites, as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms. To see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The podcast Under the Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under the Stairs, signing off. Welcome back to Devour the Podcast. Uh, Thank you so, so much for listening. Um, And, you know, I have to say, kind of two interesting films, to be honest. Um, Mike Merriman, thank you very much for uh, sitting in. While David is away, and uh, you know, I hope you enjoyed it in as much as one possibly could. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Like I said, since we're kind of uh, scratching movies like these out of evil episodes, anytime I can take the opportunity to talk uh, just horror movies on this level, uh, I'm gonna jump at it. So it, it was it was really fun. You guys get a lot of freaking questions for your asked. <laughs> yeah cool. yeah it's cool you know um i like yeah. that a lot because they're all almost always nonsense and i appreciate yeah. that from our fans so much and it, it's funny i finally made it onto the show but not for the night of the demons retrospective that still hasn't happened that i keep always bothering david about <laughs> i think for like two years going at some point i'm i'm probably gonna weigh in and and, and try to make him do that because i am more fond of those Night of the Demon sequels than I think anyone has a right to be. I remember, well, I remember liking the second one. I don't have much memory of the third one. I know I've seen it, but it's just kind of a foggy memory by this time, so it would give me an excuse to rewatch all of them. I, 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 the first one I, I just love. Second one I remember being, like, lesser, but still entertaining and i definitely have to watch or rewatch the third one to get any type of bearing on it yeah i think the the third one had the detective that reminded me that tim thomerson was still alive mm. um but uh yeah what was the second one the the cat girl i i think so yeah yeah because that scene stuck out to me because i saw it when i was a teenager probably <laughs> but uh um yeah 
So, yeah, at some point we'll probably get around to, to uh, the Night of the Demons films. And So I just want to say, too, because I think we won't be recording our next episode until this has already happened. But uh, Christopher Lee, uh, T- uh, Turner Classic Movies Network, is doing a marathon of his movies on June 22nd. So if anyone out there wants to check out some of his work, tune in to uh, Turner Classic Movies. And if you don't have that channel... I'm sure you can find plenty of his movies all over the place. And then, other than that, Bo, PS4 got a media server. Yay, finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm surprisingly happy about that because it supports MKV too, which is what Oh, yeah, is. yeah. I mean, when I saw that, I was super excited. I, when we got our PS4, we moved the PS3 to the bedroom, so it felt kind of weird that I could use the old console to do more than the new console. And I, I, I figured it was only a matter of time. But it still took a lot longer than I expected it to, but it's there finally. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Jenkins. Yes. Uh, why don't you lift this podcast out of the nerd rubble that we have settled in? I uh, think you're calling on the wrong one for that. But uh, <laughs> You're excited about the DLNA server? Well, actually, no, I, I stopped listening a few minutes ago. but I. <laughs> that's, that's exactly my point. Exactly what I was saying. No, <laughs> Mike, I want to thank you for joining us here. I had a really good time having you on this show. And uh, even though I talk to you all the time on evil episodes, it was fun. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope sometime you'll come back. Not too soon, though. <laughs> Definitely. There was a couple times on this that I had to stop myself from going, Brian, what did you think? <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for having me, Jamie. Oh, yeah. And uh, thanks to everyone out there for listening. Uh, we love you guys. Hope you know that by now. Absolutely. Uh, if not, you're kind of dumb. <laughs> what? You know, we were so close. To so, not insulting our listeners? Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could ever let a show go completely by. <laughs> All right. Well. They know we love them, and we, and we do it out of love. Fair enough. All right. Uh <laughs> I, I'm just glad you're taking the heat on this one for once. So, uh, thank you. Yeah, because uh, that's usually your job. <laughs> taking the heat, you mean? Insulting the listeners. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I've been, you know, again, I'm filling in for David. I'm not, I'm trying to be on the up and up, you know, not being as, uh, abrasive, maybe. Oh, or scary. I believe some listeners have referred to you as. I yeah, I have been called that before, but I don't I don't, I don't feel like I was scary this episode. No. At any point. No, not at all. But neither were neither were any of the movies we discussed. <laughs> well done. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm so proud of you. Aww. You know, Looney Corn was one of those times. Aww. Yeah, it was really good. People enjoyed that. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, we will be back soon with uh, two new films to discuss uh, as yet to be determined because, you know, sometimes we have to negotiate. Um, and uh, thank you very much, Mike Merriman, uh, for joining us. And uh, good night, everybody. Say good night, guys. Good night, guys. Night, guys. You, see, you have to sink it. <laughs> He's new. If you wish to contact Devour the Podcast, you can reach us by email at Cenobite Dave, that's C E N O B I T E 
D-A-V-E at gmail.com or maven1974 at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at D-Delamorte, D-D-E-L-L-A-M-O-R-T-E, or maven1974. To visit the site, go to devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. And now you can leave a message on our fancy new voicemail at 